Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans. I am your host, Cece. And I'm Liz. And Liz, uh, we gotta play taps. It's it's it this is a, this is a somber, sad episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing that ASMR <laughs> sadness sound. Mm. Okay, that didn't that that became I, not. I taps. appreciate you taking the lead on that because if I had done it, it would have been the graduation song. <laughs> I always, I always, no matter, no matter Pongo what I'm doing, it's like it's like you know if i'm doing like the wedding march uh that like it always just morphs into pomp and circumstance so thank you well now i'm having i'm getting some wires crossed in my brain because i was about to start singing pomp and circumstance as well but i realized i was about to start singing the soviet national anthem instead which sort of sounds like pomp and circumstance but not quite sure Uh, yeah uh close enough i suppose (laughs) Yeah, no, we have we have sad sad news today. Mm. Opening this episode, we have to we sure. have to say goodbye uh, to a loved one. Goodbye, Pottermore. Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye Pottermore. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> Farewell to you, Pottermore. Um, <laughs> it is kind of a graduation, though. So so maybe it is a little. <laughs> maybe it is a little bit of. Uh, Da, that's that's pomp and circumstance, right? That's right. That's pomp da, and circumstance. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Dude, um, yeah, no, the 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 <laughs> this this happened over. This happened very suddenly. We've been asked. Mm. We've been wondering like every episode, like, hey, when are they? What's going on with the Wizarding World website? What's going on with with this new app? And like a thief in the night, it came. Uh, and uh, and and, and like. In the span, I guess, of like 24 hours, an article went up on Pottermore that was like, see ya, we're not, goodbye everyone, (laughs) we're not Pottermore anymore, we're going to wizardingworld.com, and and now if you even try to go to Pottermore, it it, it already redirects you, no more, it's all gone. Yeah, so does that mean all the articles are gone? God, I really hope not, Like, like that's the thing that, like for as much as we joke about Pottermore. There was a lot of fun stuff on there, and that was already like whittled down from how much there was when it was a social network, right? Like, uh, I don't know. They they've really uh, they've really just kind of like been decimating all the content slowly over the years, and uh, and and I'm a little sad about that. Yeah, I, I assume a lot of it is archived at least like piecemeal on the wiki and the Harry Potter lexicon, et cetera, et cetera. I'm poking around on the website right now and like I think it is all gone. If you go to books, it just takes you to like a shopping page to buy the books. Oh. If you go, let's see, features, ranked. The Oh, well, all the listicles are still here. Oh, thank God. <laughs> All the list- so yeah, so we can still read six reasons to get excited if you're sort of into Ravenclaw. Wonderful. Uh, seven ways Hufflepuffs are better than you realize. Okay, so maybe it is all in here. Uh, oh wait, wait, hang on. Features the treatment of intelligent magical creatures and fantastic beasts in Harry Potter. <laughs> is this? Is it? Is it the article? No. Oh no. This. Hmm. I don't know if this is new or if this is something that's been like dredged from the depths. Uh, 
by by this website move. Okay, we need to put a pin in this one because this is called The Treatment of Intelligent Magical Creatures and Fantastic Beasts in Harry Potter. And as I'm scrolling through it, it appears to just be like a listicle about all the different kinds of racism there is in the series. There's oh, goblins. That's going to be a really helpful resource for us. Um, I'm Go. I'm so glad, you know, hearing that this still exists makes me feel that that Pottermore is still with us. Pottermore will never die. The things you love never truly leave you. As That's the right. Joker says in Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I just. I don't know what they're doing over there, but 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 I'm I'm getting sick of all these goodbyes. We have to say goodbye to flute piano. We have mm. to say goodbye to to Pottermore. How many more? How many more well, goodbyes? Well, I have some um, personal news uh, about a goodbye I had to make. Oh no! <laughs> and it was um, a goodbye to the house Ravenclaw as I took the new sorting quiz. Oh and I, no! And I have been been ejected from house Ravenclaw. Oh uh, goodness. And you'll, and you'll never guess my new house. And I would like um, some time to explain myself. Um, okay. I got sorted into Slytherin. Okay. All right. And I, and I had to, and I, and it, it asked me at the end, cause I wanted to do the new, the new quiz, which is like, it's AR. So you use the camera and it shows the new sorting hat on your head. Um, and it's all, it's <laughs> oh all very God, interactive. Are you it's, it's like, it's like the, um, uh, Patronus quiz a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and and I know everyone is shocked and appalled by my new house assignment, but but I would like to explain myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although it did ask me, it was like, "Will you accept your new placement?" And I almost didn't, but I was like, "I have to. I yeah. can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I can't go against what Pottermore is telling me." Um, and it even said, "Looks like you've changed a bit." Um, so I guess I've gotten a little more cunning, a little more ambitious. Um, mm. But in my defense, I'd like to say it only asked me 10 questions. They are the same questions, but I think that I and I, and I think it just gives you kind of random ones. And I think I uh, rolled weird and got a lot of the like meaningless heads or tails desk oh. or dawn right which are yeah. like pretty meaningless um one of the the questions i was asked was what kind of magical creature would you study and i chose vampire which i feel like maybe counted against me a little bit um, <laughs> but that is your truth that is my truth um yeah. and then also <laughs> there was a part uh, and it was actually like pretty cute and it was like what kind of um animal would you like to bring uh, to Hogwarts with you and there were like three windows and one was cat owl and toad uh, and then you could go into each window and then see the varieties and select oh. it uh, but it was one of those things where you're like on mobile and you have to turn your phone to look around and I oh, felt like an idiot right. so I just picked mm -hmm. the first thing I saw <laughs> <laughs> which what was that I think it was a remember? Siamese cat, which is fine. Okay. I wanted to look at the cats first, yeah, but but I think cute. that I think the cat looked a little sinister, and I think that's why I'm in Slytherin now. Oh, hmm. Or hear me out. Maybe maybe because you chose a Siamese cat, it's like ah, this this user, this new Hogwarts student, is a big fan of one of the most racist Disney movies. Right. I was like, oh, I just love. That's my favorite Disney song. Is the Siamese <laughs> cat song from? <laughs> What even oh. movie is that? Lady That's and the Tramp? That's Aristocats. Mm, I think it's Lady and the Tramp. No, mm, e, mm, e. 
Hold on. Yeah, type, type, type. Mm-hmm. Telling Maybe me. it is Lady and the Tramp. I can't it's remember. La- it's Lady and the Tramp. I believe the cat's bully lady. Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. Okay. It's very racist. Like, I, I think I even watched it recently and was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew it was going to be bad, but it was truly shocking watching it again. Um. Well, I guess I, guess I will need to... I guess I'll need to take this quiz as well because I'm, I, you know, it's it's like going into the DMV and updating your driver's license. You got to get your house uh, sorted out, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, so I'm sorry to all the disappointed Ravenclaws. Um, I'm a little disappointed as well, but um, I hope that I'll fit in well with the uh, cool uh, goth aesthetic Slytherins out there. That means that you mm. get to go to Black Milk and, and make your OC. Oh, excellent. I already get- know what I'm going to select. <laughs> Is, all right, I'm excited. Sexy to see. crouching girl. Sexy crouching girl wearing the. Is she the one who's wearing the like dark mark top? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we'll we'll have to we'll have to double check on that, and I will have mm-hmm. to uh, to see whether whether I'm still in Ravenclaw or whether I've gotten moved. But um, yeah, farewell, farewell, Pottermore. Um, mm. I hope I hope that they will still publish insane crap for us to read it sounds like like judging by the fact that the first article i saw on here was like a list of all the creatures you can be racist against in the wizarding world mm. i'm gonna go ahead and say that we're, we're safe in that department we we are still going to have plenty of of weird shit to read that's wonderful on, on the wizarding world well we didn't read anything this week because, hey, it's movie time. It's movie time. We love the the theater. We love the legitimate theater. We love popcorn. We love the floor that's a little bit sticky when you mm. when you leave. Right. Uh, we love watching trailers for thirty minutes uh-huh. before our thing starts. Yeah, you can't miss the previews. That's right. We love it when the movie starts and they forget to turn the lights off. <laughs> for the first five minutes <laughs> no we watched uh we watched the fifth movie order of the phoenix and whew, uh i guess i guess i i shouldn't i shouldn't uh, uh, give away the ghost too fast um but let's talk about kind of our expectations going into this thing what did, what did you think like after finishing this book and like knowing we were going to watch the movie what were what were your expectations here you know i i think that i thought this book was really bad. I think it was poorly plotted. I was very curious what kind of story the filmmakers were going to to pull out of it. Because I think that there were, are probably a few directions that you could go in um, to to create um, a, a film that works mm-hmm. out of this book. Uh, there are a few things that it did that I... Uh, that makes sense to me and i guess mm-hmm. on paper i would i would have like I-, I think we even talked about how like they should have made a bigger deal out of hallway and orb earlier yes, and made that right. more of a conflict for harry um throughout the book so they they met that expectation for me um i also felt like chamber of secrets secrets was really poorly plotted um but the movie kind of salvaged it and i remember coming away with the idea that like wow they did the best they could and i think on some level i expected the same thing out of order of the phoenix where i was like oh that was pretty good they did the best they could yeah um uh i will say i was surprised this is a very bad movie in my opinion yeah i i don't think this was good i was (sighs) 
I was I was expecting a lot more. And I can't remember if that's because I I like liked this movie at the time and and just like have changed or whether or not I had just like forgotten entirely what it was. But I was just every like turn the movie made, I was kind of like making the question mark face like, OK, that's that's what you chose to do here. Hmm. But I I went in with this, like, honestly, like a, a curiosity, like, am I really going to like this? Because the thing that, that defines this movie, I think, in the fandom, uh, at least to, you know, what, what we find on Reddit and stuff is that this this movie elicits a lot of the same fandom complaints that the third movie does. Oh, sure. Like, we love the third movie. And I was like, damn, everyone's making these complaints about the fifth movie, like cutting too much stuff and and not explaining this and it's too it's too moody or whatever and i'm like well that's what i loved about the third movie so maybe this one's good um but it turns out no it's not this is this is yeah so i i i i i went in with this expectation of like like oh this will be similar to, to movie three where i all the things that it changes i think are good changes uh, and it turns out that actually i I'm, I'm questioning pretty much all of the choices they made here yeah <clears throat> excuse me um i i feel like a prisoner of azkaban was made with love at least yes. a little bit made with an artistic vision um this really just felt like a blockbuster cash grab for me like it just felt like it was made as cheaply as possible it felt just utterly soulless like people are just gonna show up and watch the stupid harry potter movie and we're gonna make a bunch of money is how this movie felt to me. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it's so disappointing to realizing that like I think that this is basically the end of any sort of experimentation with the Harry Potter movies because this was the first movie directed by David Yates and he directs everything from here on out, including Fantastic Beasts. Right, like like this is the oh, same director as yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the same director as Crimes of Grindelwald and all the other movies, and just it, there's there, I I have this like sense of defeat where it's like oh this is it this is this is what all the movies are like now. Although I do remember that um, uh, movies six and seven at least like go through different cinematographers and at least look very different visually, but like in terms of just like directing style, like this is the style we are locked into now, which is disappointing. That is very disappointing. <laughs> are this you excited movie? well here's the thing <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not much of a movie person in general i like a lot of the early harry potter movies i think they're fun and they're cute and they have a lot of nostalgia for me um this one not so much but i laughed all the way through it oh this is fun <laughs> bad for so, sure like this was this was a very funny movie yeah uh, would you like to know who we could have gotten as directors here? Yeah. Well, we could have gotten Guillermo del Toro, first of all. Wowie. He turned it down. We could have gotten that, which would have been fantastic. We could have gotten uh, Jean-Pierre Junot, which I don't know if you know huh. him, but he, he did uh, Amelie. Right. Huh. <laughs> which is a really weird choice. Interesting. I would have at least taken him over David. I would take any of these over David Yates. Uh, and then the other interesting one was uh, Matthew Vaughn, who I actually don't remember if he, if Matthew Vaughn had directed it. I think it would have been his first one. He did Layer Cake, Daniel mm. Craig movie, and oh, I've seen that movie. 
yeah it's a good movie but but yeah he he's a again anyone sure anyone over uh, uh yates i think i guess let's kind of start from start from the beginning here Th- this movie's not worth going through chronologically i don't think maybe like like the last few we've done i'm like maybe vaguely but i'm not gonna walk us through like i did with azkaban or anything sure because i because i think what what is more apparent about this movie is just like how many weird there's just weird things in it that we you kind of pick out that become uh uh consistent traits that this movie has that you just kind of notice all the way through the first one for me just being how fast it moves and not in a good way. Yeah, um you said to me that it feels like um like a a video game adaptation that is trying to rush through the cutscenes to get you to the gameplay and I think that that <laughs> right. was really really <laughs> apt. <laughs> right, like like you remember remember anyone listening remember way back in the day when when you go see a movie and you're like, "Wow, Lord of the Rings kicked ass." Uh, I'm going to go get the the Two Towers GameCube game cuz that looks pretty Hell good. Hell yeah. A game is pretty good. But but the the way each level begins is you get like clips of the movie but like <laughs> just a few like like all the all the dialogue edited out so it's like just it's like just the key thing setting up the level like oh this is the part where they're in Rohan. Got it. Okay, now I got to fight 500 orcs. Uh, and this has that vibe, like straight from the beginning, with this encounter between. It just starts with the the Harry sitting on a swing set while he argues with Dudley, and it's just kind of surreal, honestly, and not in like a, a, a in like an artistic, like oh, what an what an interesting scene kind of way. Just in like a why why is Harry who is starting to look like a grown ass man in these movies. I think he would have been about 17 when they filmed this one. Mm. Just sitting on a swing set like a baby was really funny to me. Like like oh he's so sad. He's so, so sad. And uh and we just we just get right into it. We just have Dudley and his gang bullying him. Uh uh it's like it's like it keeps cutting between like sad Harry on the swing set and then cool Dudley and his and his oh, gang. Dudley is so cool too. Dudley is so cool. He's wearing he's wearing a football jersey. Uh, his friends are all wearing. <laughs> One of his friends is like he just looks like the quintessential Sublime fan. Like he just has like. <laughs> You know the one I'm talking about, right? He was wearing like a like a puka necklace and like a like a hurly sweatshirt and just had like really long, dirty blonde hair. I was just like, what's this guy doing here? The scene this scene is so bizarre. Like it really just gets right to it and it is that just bizarre cut back and forth between like Dudley and Harry being sat on the swing and Dudley it, it like it it has the cadence of like a dream sequence where it like zooms in on Dudley's face he's like oh are you sad your mom died and it's just yeah. like what is happening here it, it kind of frames it like Harry's just about to like fucking kill him <laughs> it it reads like the climax of a movie it reads it like the climax of a movie about teens that like kill each other but it just I just th- starts that way <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it because it it the, the whole scene in in summer at the beginning of, of the book is like Harry is stuck in this like anxious malaise, right? And like mm-hmm. like the 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 play park scene is sort of like the culmination, the climax of of that whole thing. Like he's been bottling this up, and he like he he 
you know, he's he's sick of having to hide to listen to the news. He's not hearing anything about Voldemort. And he just takes it out on Dudley, who is also taking shit out on him. Right. Like, but there's a story there. There's like a complete story um, to those opening chapters. But here and I think this is like the fatal flaw that this movie makes um, that we'll, you know, we'll be touching on a lot in this discussion. But like Azkaban, the movie and, and honestly, all the movies up until this point cut stuff to make a better standalone film right like like things got cut and rearranged so it would make more sense as a movie sure this movie feels more like things got cut and rearranged so they could get to all their favorite parts if that makes sense (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it's a highlight reel it's like a greatest hits of the book it's like a you will see your favorite scene with you you will see dudley uh bully harry you will see the wazengamot you will see mrs fig because we know that that was a big twist but like it 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 doesn't make any sense we so we get we get uh uh you know dudley and harry get attacked by dementors almost immediately the before the dementors appear the the scene just gets like cold and windy and the bullies get scared and run away like are they just scared of weather scared of uh, wind scared of wind spooky um, wind but not harry and, and and dudley they stick around long enough to, to get attacked by the dementors and then of course mrs fig rescues them but none of this means anything because mrs fig was cut from the first movie for good reason because she's not necessary to that movie but this is presented like it's a twist and like this is just like a running thing in this movie like things are presented as if they mean things to you in these in this movie series when really it can only mean anything to you at all if you remember every detail from the books yeah and i and i was curious why they put this in and and it is because she comes back so like at the trial but it's just like just rewrite the trial yeah just cut the trial out or change the trial yeah that like that is the thing it is it is it is a weird thing to say about a, a movie that definitely cuts a lot, like like just by volume, a lot of stuff does get cut in this film, but more stuff, sh- more and different things should be cut and re- rewritten, right? Like it's not, it's not cutting stuff to to make it flow better as a story or and 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 fill in these gaps. It's just cutting stuff so they can they can get to the part you recognize it really just feels it does you're right it feels like a clip show did you play a trick on me and and um and have amazon uh deliver the rental but it was like the clear play version (laughs) oh my god it does feel like a clear play it does feel like a like a like a movie you watch on the plane and it's all (laughs) all the all the violence and swearing has been cut out so it's like really jerky yeah Uh Yeah, yeah, it just moves so fast. So we so we get Mrs. Fig, like that's utterly meaningless. We do at least get one absolutely blessed scene with the Dursleys. I think this might be the their last appearance in the movies. I love the Dursleys. I love They're Petunia. So I, I think the Dursley scene, um, which is very brief when they're in the house, and I think it's just yeah. because they used the visual design from the previous movies, but it is the strongest, most cohesive visual design in this whole movie. And then the, it's, and then it's, it's a, just like out the window after that. It's a great scene. I mean, like it's, it's also one of the only scenes that feels like a real movie scene. Like, 
where where like the storytelling is visual right like there's right. it's like oh i am in the theater right now watching right yeah a film. There, there's like a great shot she like petunia's got one of those shitty little handheld fans uh and uh and vernon is like eating ice cream out of the freezer and wearing really funny looking shorts so it's like oh it's hot like i i'm i'm being told a story through the medium of film like yeah and there's that there's the great shot of deadly like on the 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 armchair there and the house just looks way too small and cramped and and there's that excellent framing of like petunia leaning over him and worrying and vernon is like angry and advancing on harry and it just looks really good and the movie never looks that good again no it really doesn't but and oh we get a sexy howler oh i hate the sexy howler (laughs) what was with the sexy howler it's got that purple lipstick yeah yeah there's a sexy howler that that yelled at harry for doing magic the kangaroo court thing is 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 taking place uh in this movie still uh i love the way the I'm, I'm just like looking at the the wikipedia article for like just just like a frame of reference for like the plot and order <sighs> of the movie uh everything we have discussed so far is one sentence during another summer with his aunt petunia and uncle vernon harry potter is expelled from hogwarts after he used magic to save dudley dirtley Dur- dudley dirtley dudley dursley <laughs> from dementors harry is whisked off by a group of wizards including mad eye moody so like that yeah that's where we are next is is the order shows up harry's in his room he's punching the wall he's uh he's got uh, uh you notice his pin board that just had ow- pictures of owls on it he's just a moody teen uh, it, just, it really bothers me it just feels like no thought was put into his character or like who he is like harry would never have a pin board set up in the dursley's house with just like pictures of owls and the hogwarts crest like m- maybe that's like really nitpicky but that stuff bothers me no yeah that, that like that's I, I it's weird it, it's like one he probably wouldn't be even be allowed to have a pin board right like mm-hmm. or anything like that two if if he did he's 15 he's not gonna put his fucking school crest and like pictures of owls up there he's gonna put i don't know like quidditch teams he likes right Pretty girl like 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 he's gonna put stuff up there that reflects what he likes to do when he's not doing study work right it's so weird we get a very brief introduction to the order they sneak into the house they whisk him away we get our first action sequence and i think this is where thing where where i realized just how this movie was going to be with one how fast everything was moving and two i really i i want to like preface here i am not like an annoying like anti-cg person right like i'm not i don't go to every movie and go like ugh all of this should have been practical effects or whatever but this movie has really fucking bad CG, like all the way through for stuff that is very, very unnecessary. And the broom, not really chase, just like broom hanging out sequence the order takes Harry on is just really, really ugly. Would, th- would this be a good uh, chance for us to talk about movies that came out in 2007? Because I kind of want to contextualize oh, yes. the, totally. the CG yeah. uh, stuff. And what movies were like in 2007. Um, yeah. Because I, cause after watching this movie, I, my first thought was, what the hell happened here? Right? <laughs> like, what what the, what the fuck happened? Um, so yeah. I looked up, like, the top grossing films of 2007. And I would just, the number one was Pirates, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, followed by Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. 
Woof. <laughs> Woof. Number three, Spider-Man 3. Which as a film, I just forgot existed. Number four, Shrek the Third. Mm. Number five, Transformers. The, the first Michael Bay one, right? Yes. Yeah. The the Shia LaBeouf one. Hey, that's got CG in it. That's got a lot. You know what? That movie, for as bad as those movies are, that movie still looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. So much better than Order of the Phoenix, for sure. Order yeah. of the Phoenix made me dizzy. Yeah. Uh, Ratatouille uh, was in uh, yeah, 2007. that's a good one. That's all right. I all Am right. Legend. The Simpsons movie. Mm. Uh 300 was in uh the uh, the most gorgeous film ever made that's as right people like just to say mm. <laughs> yeah I, so 2007 was really funny I, I, like i i'm pretty sure this was like the height of hand wringing over whether anyone would go go to the movies anymore because this was the year that Halo 3 came out and like obliterated like every movie at the box office or whatever. Well, come on, it's Halo 3. It's Halo 3, of course it would. But but I remember like I distinctly remember and maybe I'm just maybe this is just completely fabricated like pieced together memories, but I remember reading I used to be really into reading Entertainment Weekly every week. That was the kind of movie nerd I was. Huh. Just like every week, I'm going to read the reviews. I'm going to read the articles. I love showbiz. Sure. And uh, I I remember there'd be like an op-ed every week that was like, no one's going to the movies anymore. Is it, is it over? Is it all internet now? Is it piracy? And I think even at the time being like, I think the problem might be that most of the movies are bad. <laughs> like there's a lot of bad movies coming out around this time. Yeah, I mean, there there's like always bad movies. Like if you could if you yeah. look up a year of movies, there's always some stuff to laugh at. But like totally. scrolling through the 2007 movies, I was like, wow, that was a rough year. There were some <laughs> good dull... ones. There was um yeah. No Country for Old Men, there was mm-hmm. um There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Those are pretty good. Those are good movies. The born one of the born movies. Yeah, there's... my my least favorite born movie came out. That you don't year. like the third one? I don't. Mm. B movie came out in two thousand seven. Well, there we go. <laughs> so you can't say it wasn't an impactful uh, year for film. True. Well, I, anyway, what 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 we're trying to say is that movies were at a low point in two thousand seven, and this fucking sequence where uh, uh, Harry and Moody and Tonks like take a, a whimsical broom ride over the River Thames is uh, like I again, like I said, not not a like stalwart like no CGI allowed person, but like this was some of the laziest special effects work I think I've seen in a long time, mostly because they're flying over water and there's no reflections. Like yeah. I was losing my fucking mind. Like it it looked like one of the, it looked like when you go to like the mall and there's that booth you can go in with a green screen where it's like put yourself in in famous movies. Or like a connect game or something. It, it really did. And and this was another part that I was kind of bothered by. I know that like for these movies and especially with the books that just like kind of don't make a whole lot of sense. Like, of course, they're going to make action scenes out of stuff that isn't mm-hmm. an action scene in the book. Yeah. But I would just like a line, like something to explain why they had to do that. I don't need it to be much. I don't need it to make sense. Moody could be like, Harry, we gotta fly low to the ground or we're gonna get shot out of the sky by Death Eaters. You know, like, I don't care. Right. I don't care what it is, but yeah. just something. Because otherwise, well, it's like, scene... what is this? What is this whimsical action scene? In the book, that scene is necessary ish because it's exposition. Like, right. they talk to him the whole time, uh-huh. which I would have 
just another example of like keeping stuff from the book for no reason for it to be a clip show of like like you know checking the list while well, he does fly from Privet Drive to Grimald Place, but like just cutting out the part that made that scene necessary, which is that's when. Harry met Tonks and Moody, real Moody for the first time and like had a conversation with them about what's been going on this summer, right? Like it's it's a it's it's a weird thing to just like include if you are not going to include that dialogue. Why right? is Tonks like, in this movie? Why do you I forgot she was in the movie until we were watching like those making of clips last night. There's like a shot of her like and the Moody actor like taking a smoke break and I was like, "Oh right, she was in this movie." for two seconds it's it's um i guess it's tough for the filmmakers just because if she wasn't in the movie people would have been pissed yeah definitely but she didn't absolutely have anything to do yeah she she like winks at harry when they get to grimald place and then there's like a scene also at grimald place where she's like amusing Ginny and hermione by pulling weird faces right and i think that's it I don't. Does she? She speak? shows. She shows up at the final battle. She gets one line where Moody calls her an Nymphadora, and she says, "Don't call me Nymphadora." And then we don't. Oh yeah, don't, and there's horrible. like a really. There's like a weird beat after that where it's like you expect there's going to be another line. No, I, what was with that? Uh, something got cut, I guess, because I assume that there yeah. was something explaining that she's related to Sirius, but it never comes up again. <laughs> I'm 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 having my first brain short circuit here. Mm. They get to Grimald Place and we get the is it a weapon scene like immediately basically, right? Oh, and yeah. then Harry bitches at his friends. We, we get a very we get a, a very rushed uh, one take explanation of what the Order of the Phoenix is. Also when they walk in the Order of the Phoenix <laughs> meeting is happening and all and all I could hear very loudly was one person saying, "You can't trust the government." <laughs> Some real, it's a real brain trust in there. That reminds me uh, that that's a good opportunity to bring up uh, why they chose David Yates, according to this article, Mm -hmm. which is that uh, Yates believed he was approached because the studio saw him fit to handle an edgy and emotional film with political backstory, which some of his previous television projects, including State of Play, Sex Traffic, and The Girl in the Cafe, demonstrated. Jesus. (laughs) I'm just imagining like, <laughs> like, oh, I bet they got me because my movies are really political. Mm. And then you just open the film with Sirius being like, oh, you can't trust the government, Harry. <laughs> That's right, David Yates. Very good. Good job. <laughs> good movie. Um, uh, uh, Gary Oldman, of course, is back as Sirius. Uh, mm. I'm mm. always happy to see him, but he doesn't really get anything to do in this movie which is a real tragedy. Like, like I, I know that you got to cut stuff. You got to rearrange stuff. You got to fit a giant book into a two hour movie. I get it, but I'm surprised that the serious story was not like their number one priority. You know, that's what I would lean on. Yeah. Personally. Cause it's one of the, <laughs> one of the best things from the book for sure. Uh, and it, and you know, it, it sets up some nice parallels with what Harry's going through. And it just, it's, it's, it's nowhere to be found here. Really. Um, Sirius is just like a mentor. Uh, and, and that's about it. Yep. He's very handsome though. His hair, his hair is looking luscious. He's uh, ever since he got out of Azkaban, he has been taking such good care of his hair. He's been working out. Uh, he's been he visited a tailor he's got this he, great he did got, some shopping for sure he's got a very nice like tweed jacket that he's wearing uh he, he's looking he's looking fresh 
absolutely yeah serious black is dressing in this movie mm-hmm. um that's Harry... kind of a theme of this film <laughs> oh yeah serious dressing will will return <laughs> uh but before that um uh we get kind of our like first glimpse of what they're attempting to do in this film which is like center on harry's emotional like arc in this movie because mm. we do get the scene where he like bitches out at ron and hermione in the about like why didn't you contact me all summer but it doesn't really work because we didn't get to see any of his summer so he's just saying it just like, comes out of nowhere yeah it comes out of nowhere he's just like being a jerk to them for no reason we don't we have we have no like empathy for his situation because we haven't seen what it, summer was like for him other than sitting on a swing for for two seconds, uh, we we get a Hermione jump scare, which was pretty good. Yeah, what's up with that? I yeah, what I, is I that assume choice? <laughs> I assume it was supposed to be like like oh he's so nervous. There are a lot of parts in this movie where where it seems like the goal was to make you feel like oh Harry is lost in his thoughts or he's he's depressed and moody, and then and then something snaps him out of it, and then this like weird like horror movie jump scare where the, the like the psycho strings are playing and then when they finally release hermione he jumps out of the frame and ah. hugs him ah. yeah it's hermione what's with that ah. Ah. Ooh. the girl's here ah scary mm-hmm. i guess this is our, our our opportunity to talk about the fucking soundtrack in this movie i was i almost brought it up when we talked about the um the the broom flight because that was the first time i noticed it i don't i don't <laughs> what the i fuck? feel like i don't want to be super mean but i can't help it um because i i'm not a person that notices soundtracks very much unless they're very good or very bad this one's real bad it's real bad it it like like i missed john williams in four but i think four ultimately like had some pretty good music it was like it's a it's a good if you have to follow up john williams i think four is probably like pretty like like that's a that's a good a good score this feels like a made for tv movie <laughs> which 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 to be fair i i don't want to dump on i don't really want to dump on the composer too much because i guess i like looking at his body of work before and after harry potter it basically was all made for tv movies so something happened there i feel because he only did it's bizarre. this bizarre it, it is it is truly bizarre because half the time i feel like i'm watching a hallmark christmas movie and then half the time like you said i feel like i'm watching looney tunes it's the the two there there are so there there are uh just all the light motifs you know and love from the first four movies just gone i we we get the harry we get the hedwig theme like right at the beginning other than that every you it just you might as well have a, a playlist on shuffle there's no new themes there's it's just mood music and most of the time like you say that mood is either christmas with a lot of jingle bells and 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 like happy violins or it's it's looney tunes like (laughs) i i still think my favorite part in this whole movie just for like completely batshit crazy uh directing choices is later on when we're introduced to bellatrix it like cuts to azkaban and it's playing (laughs) what i what i assume was supposed to be like oh like like dramatic strings that are like enhancing your feeling that oh the wind is is whipping around right but it just sounds like powerhouse by raymond scott it just sounds like the looney tunes music it is so (laughs) it's so bad and like she she like comes out like on on like the cliff 
the rain is, 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 is it's, it's storming up uh, like crazy outside and she's doing her Joker laugh and it's just playing like, it's, it's so weird. I laughed a lot during this movie, like a lot. Yeah. I, I would, this, this is a movie where I would say that, you know, anyone that likes watching funny, bad movies, this is a good one to add to the list. I feel like it doesn't make it on those lists, but it's, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, speaking of funny, bad uh, let's talk about sexy Sirius and his big old coat when they leave <laughs> to take him to the tri- to take him to his his trial. Say what, say fu- what you will about this film, but there are some good looking men in it. I have a theory about this movie that I will save for later. Sure. But but suffice to say, this is a yeah. If if you like if you like looking at some handsome fellas, this movie has just a whole variety. Any type that you could like, it's just. <laughs> It's just really, it's got a lot going on. Um, this is serious. Um, getting to have just, you know, he is in a very a great coat, uh, but he has an intense nude aura, similar to Voldemort's <laughs> new nude aura from uh, the end of Goblet of Fire. It is so, so, so they introduce him. They're like sending Harry off and like, we get this cut of like, he he's a, he's in dog brain form. <laughs> And he, first of all, they, they've they've like chosen. I, I I don't like completely hate the choice, but it's definitely not what I pictured for uh, Padfoot. They've they've made him like a big terrier. It's wrong. I really did it's, not it's like that choice. N- not not a good choice in your opinion. I always thought he was like a wolfhound or something, right? Like it's a like it's it's a big scary dog, not a not a cute dog. Right. He just looks a little too like uh, like a domesticated like. I don't I don't know. It's it's a weird vibe. Again, just like with a visual choice that makes no sense to me. Well, and but then we learn I guess why or or some someone somewhere in like the costume department, the art department was like, I I know what to do for they this. They were wrong. So we <laughs> <laughs> we we get for one we get this incredible like like austin powers like like silhouette transformation <laughs> where he like goes behind a, a a glass door and goes from dog to man mm-hmm. in a very funny uh shot and then so he's talking to harry he gets he gets the scene moody got at christmas where he gives harry the 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 photo of the old order of the phoenix and and tells him about neville's parents it's a weird thing for uh, sober serious to be telling Harry and not drunk moody. I I really I understand why they gave this to Sirius because obviously they're trying to give Sirius as much to do since the end of the film is mm-hmm. him dying. But I I am so like I really loved that scene with Moody. So this just kind of felt like a bummer, and it also just felt like exposition. Like he was like, yeah, you know, they were on their way to the train, and then he just like pulls him aside. He's like, okay, I'm going to tell you about this picture. This is the Order of the Phoenix. These people are dead. Isn't that sad? <laughs> but the thing is the thing that makes it is the whole time he and harry are sitting alone in this like like uh, uh, tr- uh train station waiting room and sirius is wearing nothing but a giant coat or at least that's what <laughs> it looks like he is just nude un- like because he's definitely shirtless at least because you, you see his bare chest under this big old coat i need i need to know what the implications of this coat is uh right because it, it almost it's like the the costume designer got confused and thought he was like a werewolf but it's like oh he can't be nude after he stops transforming so we'll give him this fur <laughs> coat that looks like his dog fur 
is it his dog fur right it like if he transformed into a into a dog without that coat would he just look like a big naked mole rat ah like like, right like like what's yeah it's 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 a very weird choice because like i think that is definitely at least like visually what they were going for but that makes no sense because we've in these movies seen people transform in and out of their clothes multiple times like it's no no big deal sort of essential to this story almost i feel because otherwise they would be looking at nude mcgonagall and lupin a lot i'm just fine with him wearing that absurd coat because it is like evocative visually of the the dog like that's just like a a fun like visual cohesion it's very pleasing to watch he didn't need to be nude under it (laughs) do you think it's so they could remind the audience that he had like prison tattoos yes Hell yeah. That's like the only thing I can think of. Is they're like, we we have to, we have to like visually remind the audience that Sirius is kind of a bad boy, right? Like, like that's the only thing I can hey, think I of. Hey, I respect it. He looks great in this scene. It's wrong, oh. but it's great. <laughs> For sure. I guess I'm not complaining about about uh, uh all the the almost nude Sirius we get here, but it is fucking bizarre. <laughs> we, oh, I guess we forgot to talk about the kangaroo court because it's fucking stupid they're gonna go to the ministry you the first thing you noticed was that hey the statue metaphor is just destroyed like no oops no no metaphor oops i mean you're right like at the beginning of this when we started talking about the movie you pointed out that it's like really just like pointing at the movie and be like i remember that from the book right yeah but no no choice has been made and in fact it's it, it like the fountain might as well just be a point and be like oh yeah that's the fountain from the book and it's just completely destroyed by um it not really being what is described in the book which i'm fine with a change but it's just like it it's like they didn't think about it and then it immediately pans up to the like this huge view screen of of fudge like a 1984 like huge picture of him which i feel like kind of uh, honestly defeats the purpose a little bit i don't think the like political messaging of order the phoenix um makes sense at all but the but you can't it's like they pasted fudge over the top of the system and not yes. and not featuring the system that was there to install and enable fudge into power in the first place it's it like for as bad i would say like for as bad as the or like or not bad like as muddled as the book is with its political metaphor stuff um i think one thing that you could not say about order of the phoenix fairly is that it is a it is a book about like an overtly fascist government right like it's not about that it, it is much more about um like a more banal government evil right which is like just like business as usual no matter what right yeah it, it is sort of I mean, I mean the book is confused because it is about a liberal government but then it gets confused at the end and goes but it's good actually <laughs> right yes but 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 the idea is, is that is that like 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 fudge and the, the ministry is so like adamant and, and like comfortable in the status quo and adamant that like the status quo must be maintained that they they will like go to any lengths to like maintain that but in secret whereas the 
the the the the impression that you get of the ministry if you just watch this movie is that they're they are living in 1984 like right. like that is just that is just the big brother screen with fudge on it so it's it's a really weird yeah harry harry choice. walking into the ministry and having fudge be like there and be like things are are just carrying on as usual everything is normal like that's the sinister part right harry is seeing the fountain and maybe like maybe normal and maintaining that or only wanting to maintain that is bad. Whereas mm-hmm. the movie is more like you see what's normal and you're like, Oh, that's cool and good. We need to take down this 1984 <laughs> view screen of fudge. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Like, okay. Which, which extends to the actual court scene too, because the, again, the visual design they've gone with for the court is like a, a Holy Roman empire, like papal hearing. It's a very loaded image for something that is that, that even the book for as, as as like I said wacky and muddled as it is was not going for like you have a loaded image you could put here just do like a normal English court right <laughs> like that's already a pretty loaded historical image just put them in some powder wigs and shit like like it's fine can, why do they why can you even speculate as to what they they might have been thinking behind this choice like is it, it do you think it was really just like looks cool i think that's most of this movie is looks cool is it right? because of the like, inquisition language that happens later i i just don't i don't right, know what they yeah. were thinking with this right yeah the that that that's that's maybe it yeah but yeah it's it's just such a it it is disappointing i mean like granted this was also a problem with the book but a movie is a great opportunity to like correct this example right Mm -hmm. uh the mask is immediately off with fudge in the ministry there's no tension you know that they're evil uh, uh, the, 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 um, oh, the line where where fudge just like is like well i can change the laws to make what i want happen it's just like okay yeah well, all right and, and umbridge gets introduced and gets a speaking role in this scene as well which again just removes all tension because she is immediately going after dumbledore like in in this scene uh, and like clearly evil because she goes like um i think you might be implying that the ministry ordered an attack on harry like like just just immediately like on the defensive and you're like oh okay well i know she's the bad guy right like just no nothing just nothing to work with here as a as a film the actress is a great choice for umbridge it's too bad fan, that the writing was so bad <laughs> yeah fan fucking tastic choice absolutely she is so good in this movie like, I mean, again, like this scene, I, I hate this scene for like what it is in the script, but like, she's really good. Like, like she's, 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 she does, she gives it an incredible first impression, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like just absolutely perfect choice. But yeah, just a really, just a bummer uh, in terms of writing. Um, hey, we're at Hogwarts now. We I did it backwards, Yay. but we're at Hogwarts now. We meet Luna. Yeah. How about let's get into it? How about that Luna Lovegood? The actress is very good. Fauna Lynch does a very yeah. good job. Uh, she's very yeah. cute in this movie. Um, yeah, they they kind of distribute the Luna information differently. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to talk about this scene on its own outside of like Luna's arc no, in this let's, movie. Let's, wait, let's just talk about Luna, I think. Like I said, like it's this this is a difficult movie to talk about in chronological order because each scene is so thin, right? Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. Let's 
let's get into it. Let's get into Luna here. So for some reason, they gave Luna like a romance arc with Harry as like the only person that understands him. And she gets yeah. way more scenes like in different places. Uh, about midway through the movie, Harry has a scene where like he he just goes up and asks her, like, what's the deal with Thestrals? And she tells him. Um, but but what a strange choice and i don't really even have a problem with it i actually liked it it was good that i think she had more to do she had an art yeah she she kind of told you the theme of the movie and and it almost made it feel like harry was outgrowing his friends in a weird way that i don't think there's ever any really good payoff and it might have been just completely accidental mm-hmm but like anytime Harry interacts with Ron and Hermione, it feels like they don't know each other or are growing apart or they're having some kind of tension that later gets resolved off screen. But anytime that happens and it's like, oh, people don't understand me. He ends up with Luna every time. Yeah, it's that's a really good observation, especially because I'm just now remembering there's that line. Which like like the, the entire Harry Ron hermione dynamic has changed in this movie and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but they are ron and hermione are like almost framed as like harry's surrogate parents in this film mm-hmm. um there's this part that i'm 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 remembering now where harry is like whining and he's like oh no one like like you guys don't understand and hermione like touches his shoulder and is like so help us to understand or whatever. And it's very motherly. Oh, it super uh, is. It's very, but it, but it really does feel like a scene of like a teenager talking to his parents, you know, like after a bad day at school, like, oh, no one understands. And and, and it, 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 yeah, there, I, I, I actually, I mean, most of this is probably because I just fucking hate how Ron is portrayed in this book. Uh, but Ron and Hermione just sort of uh, the the Ron and Hermione dynamic here makes so much more sense as like a trajectory for their romance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, later because like they they really they 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 rewrite all of their horrible like like why don't you just find other friends arguments in the book into like kind of playful bickering uh we get the you know we get the like oh like most some people have more of an emotional range than a teaspoon ron and then she like they immediately like laugh it off and and, like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. it's a lot lighter and friendlier oh yeah um which i think is good but i i think it really does uh do i have a byproduct of, of doing what you're saying which is like just making them seem like apart from harry um and and like because harry does not share that style of relationship with them at all in this film and he just feels like an outsider whenever they're around. But they, but they really love him. They really love telling everyone how cool he is and joining his club and stuff. It's, it's very yeah. They're strange. Re- they're really doing their best, and that's all you can expect of parents. You know, they can't totally understand, <laughs> but they're they're gonna be there for you uh, when you need yeah. them. Um, but it, it is, and I and I guess the other thing that comes up with Luna is when Harry gets the kiss with Cho. Um, and and I know that I think he even said this in in the book I think but was it was like book. out of awkwardness and it's and yeah. it's when the mistletoe happens and they're about to kiss and harry like sees the mistletoe and references the snork axe or whatever they are that luna talks about 
but but it comes off in the movie much more like oh he's kissing this girl but he's thinking about Luna and then it and then it immediately cuts to Harry telling his parents Ron and Hermione about his first kiss and they ask him how (laughs) it was and he says wet and 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 every like every bone in my body that's ever watched a movie before is just like that's because he didn't kiss the right person it's supposed to be Luna like it call it calls it back to that and I I don't know if this was on purpose it's really strange. Well, it's it. Not only that, like like the transition between those scenes, like we we see Harry and Cho kiss, and then the camera pans up, and it like fades out on the mistletoe after he said, "Oh, maybe it's Nargles or whatever." The visual reminder that we get after they kiss is not of Harry and Cho; it's of Luna. So yeah, it's it's super strange. I I there's also that scene. <laughs> there's that scene where he he first of all he uh, walks out like it's Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um. There's this. Uh. Actually, the, uh, <laughs> I gotta step back. This is an entire sequence that is just from like top to bottom fucking incredible. We get one scene with voiceover in this movie where Harry writes a letter to Sirius that sounds like one of those like uh, Civil War documentaries where it's like, "Dearest Agatha, my heart <laughs> yearns for you on on the battlefield," and then wanders while the voiceover is happening wanders up the hill next to the haggard's hut into skyrim uh-huh. apparently yep. like just just looks out over the hill over the woods uh and there's a mountain <laughs> there's a festral flying in the distance just mm-hmm. really looks like a hud is about to appear and and the game is about to begin then he walks into the woods to see the festrals Luna is there. We get a uncomfortably long close up of her feet as she it's a as full, he walks like pan, like pan from the bare feet up to her face. Yeah, David. Yeah, and then hello. And then as he the first thing <laughs> he says when he walks up to her, she says hello, Harry Potter, and he says your feet. <laughs> like what the fuck is going on in this movie? Ah, uh, this is this. I mean, between the, like, like you said, like, Civil War voiceover letter to the walk into the Skyrim forest and say your feet, I was just like, this is a Hallmark movie. What, like, why is this, why is it sometimes just like a low budget made for TV movie? The music here is so funny. It's, 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 it could have come from any fantasy movie ever. It is, it is so nothing just just treacly saccharine nothing uh in this scene and 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 like this scene after you know after the initial like shock of the 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 hey your feet stuff <laughs> it is a pretty good scene like we we get a, a, an extended conversation i i think part of what might make the harry luna relationship seem so strong in this movie is because this movie feels like a montage 90 percent of the time mm-hmm. and so any character harry has an extended conversation with is going to feel like a romance (laughs) because it's like it's going to be 10 times any any other character interaction right just in terms of length and depth yeah definitely like yeah we just we get like a a nice heart to heart with luna about you know she saw her mom die and 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 thestrals are, are are cool and you know he's he's really enamored with that thought and yeah it really does come off like you say, like, oh, she's the one girl who understands him kind of thing. Like, it, it, it's so surreal r- realizing what a minor character she is in the books after this. 
I I do like her in the movie. It does give yeah. Harry more. He Harry feels more like a person, and it. And I mean, it's not a very complex story about his his um internal life, but at least it's there. Hmm. Hmm. But but it, 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 it the whole movie just has the, the the vibe of a montage, which makes it really weird when the real montages do start. There are a lot of montages in this movie, like a lot, a lot of montages. A big bummer is that like nearly all of Umbridge's be- uh, like uh, scenes are in montages. We get um we get like one you know we get the tor- we get the torture scene uh because because he yells at her in class i will say i think that the movie version of the yelling at umbridge in class thing is so much better than the book one this is like one scene that i think they improved on because they sort of squish together all of the classroom scenes into one thing mm-hmm. um and and it also helps like like we had a, a, a like just a a sense of confusion in the in the book where it was like why is it bad to be teaching 15 year olds by the book when this movie goes out of its way to like design the book in a way where you look at it and go like oh i know that book's useless right like they put a really funny like 1950s like uh it kind of looks like a um like one of those uh, uh duck and cover a PSAs or something. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, it really has that, or like something you'd find in Fallout, right? Like it just has that like really twee 1950s everything is fine vibe to it, and you're like, oh okay, now I I, I get I get a sense of like why they would hate this book, right? Like of course it's bad. I, I think it's the, also pretty the, well served by Hermione when when Hermione explains to Harry and Ron what Umbridge's speech was about instead of getting muddled down with that stuff that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, her and it's like about like oh she doesn't like being progressive or or whatever the fuck she says in the book she just says like like listen to the speech it means that the ministry is exerting their control over hogwarts that's just like clear yeah. cut i'm like yeah we have yeah. we have established the ministry is bad and is like overtly fascist i guess so it's like that's mm-hmm. bad and i'm like more just on board with that idea yeah so like that that like that that is at least i i think an improvement but we get aside from this like you know torture detention scene most of the umbridge content is relegated to these like repeating montages where it like the first one starts with this again actually pretty good scene of like McGonagall and Umbridge fighting on the stairs mm-hmm. which has like this it has like this you know it's a really on the nose visual metaphor but i really like it where they keep on taking steps like umbridge keeps on taking a step to be on eye level with McGonagall. McGonagall keeps taking a step to like be taller than Umbridge. It's a good, it's a, it's a good like like little moment. Yeah, but. very occasionally this movie will have those kind of on the nose like cinematography choices. I guess that like work yeah. really well, and I don't mind because it's a kids movie, right? Like they're just kind of right, fun, yeah. and I would have liked more of yeah. that. Yeah, um, but like this is where we're introduced to the daily prophet as like a framing device where McGonagall and Umbridge have this argument where, where some other kid has been punished off screen or something. And McGonagall's like, you can't punish my students this way. And Umbridge is like, Oh yes, I can. And then it like cuts to the daily prophet and a like voice clip of fudge saying like, ah, I've, I've made it legal for Umbridge to do whatever she wants at Hogwarts. (laughs) And then we just get like a, a montage of her, walking around Hogwarts doing dumb stuff. It's really, it, it's a real 
It sure takes the wind out of the sails of the idea of her being a scary villain when she's just kind of a joke character in this movie because of the montages. There's a part um, where um, it's like during the montage and Umbridge shows up at Charm's class and she like measures how tall Flitwick is. Oh, Flitwick. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, that's fucked up, right? Why is that not a scene? Why is that not a complete yeah. scene where we see that class and we see like like it's it's super goofy. It's super like kids movie, but it's just like why don't we see him like teaching and have her come in and be like super evil, right? Yeah. I mean, remember, you know what it reminds me of is remember the Fault in Our Stars movie where there's that one scene where the mom starts like ugly crying but the music immediately pipes in to make it not awkward. Yeah, it's just like, let us sit with how evil she is. Like, show yeah. how how like horrible her ideas are instead of putting in this like weird Looney Tunes montage. Because you can really imagine how how like uncomfortable all of the scenes in this montage could be, right? Without the the jaunty music, like like we get we get her um, like pressuring Trelawney. Uh, we get her, like you say, like walking in and measuring Professor Flitwick. Uh, we get her like, like nosing in on students who have their like arms around each other. Like it could be really creepy and like uncomfortable, but it's not because it's playing. It's playing the Christmas movie music and, and it's playing the, it's playing the Grinch theme for us. And it just like really undercuts any sense of tension. Yeah. It's a it's a big missed opportunity. That actress is so good. Yeah, she's she's so fantastic. And like I even there are the moments that are like uh are like the closest, I think, to being like good for comedy, which are I like the way that the Filch and Umbridge team up is portrayed in this movie. Mm-hmm. With him nailing all the um the decrees to the the door outside her office that just get bigger and bigger and taller and taller like that's a really fun one but then also he when we get to the the room of requirement stuff he just becomes uh a dick dastardly and they have to keep on like outsmarting him to get into the room and it's just like what is this movie like like this movie just becomes like a teen school comedy halfway through which i honestly if if they had sat down and said this book is way too long we need to turn it into like 16 candles but at hogwarts i wouldn't be against that but they needed to commit to that i think and they they did absolutely it just like it just like only appears in montages and it just doesn't work strange strange stuff should we take a little break here and then come back and talk about the da Yes, that sounds great. I could use another cup of coffee. All right, we'll be right back. Bloody hell! So, after all of these Umbridge montages, uh, we finally get... Harry and and I guess it's more it's even more Harry's parents in this movie Harry uh, Hermione and Ron um, who decide on a very windy and rainy night that it's time to tell Harry that he should start a gun club. Uh, yeah, they're worried about him. He seems a little isolated, a little bit moody, and they're they're like, you know, Harry, you could really use an extracurricular activity. <laughs> 
<laughs> My favorite part of this is that uh, it, it takes place during a uh, a scene where Hermione looks out the window, like, and and it's it's been implied. Yeah, we get a little bit of the like, oh, everyone thinks Harry's crazy because he says Voldemort's back in this movie. But it's it's been implied that like Ron and Hermione have been on his side this whole time. But there's this very weird part where Hermione like looks out at the rain uh, and and, you know, there's a thunderstorm. And after a clap of lightning, she says, he's really out there, isn't he? What the fuck, Hermione? It's like, oh, <laughs> like now, now, you know, now you believe me. OK, was thanks, she not Hermione. there at the Order of the Phoenix all summer? Yeah, I what, did, I what did she think they were doing? I know that this is just like a very dumb like audience reminder. Yeah. Thing that she gets to say, but it's it's weird. And and especially when um we we do get a scene earlier of of Dean and Seamus um basically confronting Harry in the common room and being like Seamus almost didn't get to go back to school cuz of you and they're like mad at him. So yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't have Seamus come back and be like he really is back, isn't he? Yeah. It's that Actually, easy. I, I will say that that scene feel, feels like it's from a different movie. It's it's a lot more interesting, like, tonally. Mm-hmm. It has, it's like, a, it, 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 like, they like switch to a handheld camera, so it's a little shaky. And there's all these kids sitting around the common room and there's like rock music playing in the background. Like, it feels like a, like a real movie or something. <laughs> For a minute. Hey, um, this, this movie feels like a real movie sometimes. Sometimes, every now and then. Um, yeah, they, they, there's just like one brief moment where, where it just feels like, oh, this is a teen movie. Uh, I, although you mentioned that I, I don't want to be mean. Seamus's actor, he can't. He's not. He's not really equipped for the yelling, I think, in this scene, really. Mm. It, it's a yeah. little. He's There's a lot of mostly. I I honestly don't don't know how much of it is on the actors and how much I I probably laid most of the blame on the director. Hermione I felt was really noticeably stiffer in this movie than she was in Goblet. Yeah, Emma Watson is in a weird place in her acting journey. Let's yes. say that. Uh, yeah dan is charming as always he he is the most like he is harry to me like any personality that harry has that doesn't come through in the book like i just paced over like dan's performance as harry he does a great job he's so good um he He gets some real awkward lines he gets Uh, some clunkers in this for sure especially (laughs) in in this uh this extended series of uh, uh da scenes um we get their meeting at the at the hogshead where we see his first rambo speech and everyone gasses him up saying like, oh he killed a basilisk he he fucking fought voldemort uh he, he he's good at quidditch he's really cool um and he gives he gives his his speech about reaching next to you and, and sticking your hand in a pile of goo and then we get the weirdest setup for the room of requirement like I get that we don't have the context of like Dumbledore having dropped the clue. Oh, actually, no, we Dumbledore absolutely did drop the clue about room of requirement in the first movie. I'm like 99% sure. You know, you know what this means. Um, mm. The filmmakers um, hate Dobby because I think it's Dobby that is the, that comes in and is like, I have a place you could meet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Further cementing, David Yates is a horrible villain. <laughs> Who deprives us of Dobby. Of Dobby the Dobby content was cut. 
yeah what the fuck but yeah no so 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 that that seed was definitely planted in the first movie probably because jk rowling had that idea right like like that was probably also the room of requirement is so important i mean i mean i say that i i feel like i said that and immediately hated the way i said it (laughs) um but would you say it's required bear with me here um (laughs) it it is where draco uh puts the vanishing cabinet in book six for the Mm -hmm. death eater invasion and it's also where voldemort has hidden his his horcruxes so it feels like maybe an important location uh in the harry potter universe instead we get this bizarre scene where like crab and goyle uh are bullying neville and by the way crab and goyle make a a, a a large number of appearances in this movie i think more than draco himself like like tom felton appears once at the very beginning when they get off the train and then once uh in like the the fight scene in umbridge's office and i think that's it like like there's no draco content in this movie but we do get several crab and goyle scenes one of them being them dressed like uh scene kids and bullying neville um and i don't even really understand what it what it is that neville does to trigger the uh room of requirement appearing for him other than like doing a really comical virgin versus chad walk past it <laughs> like <laughs> It's it's so weird. He just like walks past it. Maybe he's wet. Oh, he's probably wet. And it's like, ah, there's a towel in here or something. I can't remember exactly what it is. But yeah, he he finds it. They have their um, uh, they, they have their their their, you know, their space for practicing their D.A. stuff. This is where we get Daniel's biggest clunker in the film, which, again, not his fault. Probably this this is the writer's fault. But he does say it's like the castle wants us to fight back. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like Hogwarts wants us to fight back against the mean teacher. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say for as much as I hate the DA stuff in this movie, we at least get to see Harry being a teacher here. Yeah, I don't know where he picked up these skills, but whatever. I can roll with it. Yeah, he gets he well, gets a, I'm a good teacher montage. He gets an I'm a good teacher montage. And I can tell you, I have a, 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 a I've, I've been neglecting bringing this up yet, but I think it's time to go to factinate.com. Wonderful. I had never heard of until I Googled uh, Order of the Phoenix making of stuff. Uh, there's a fact here. Number 41, Daniel Radcliffe came up with a suggestion of respect to a teacher that Harry most certainly looked up to. He would wear certain types of clothes that resemble the outfit worn by Lupin in his lessons from Prisoner of Azkaban during his teaching. The director liked the suggestion so much that it became the basis for his look during those scenes in the Room of Requirements. So that's why Harry was wearing that stupid jacket the whole time. This is why I love Dan. I've said I've said that already. This is why you don't let the 17 year old make the costuming choices. <laughs> Where? Yeah, right. Exactly. All respect <laughs> to Daniel Radcliffe. This was a terrible idea. He looked Harry looks like he he like, you know how how in the Harry Potter universe, the, the, the implication is that like, oh, because wizards spend so much time away from the muggle world, they don't really keep up on fashion trends kind of thing. He feels like he dresses like Arthur Weasley in this movie. It's super strange. He's always wearing this stupid, like, 
corduroy jacket that's like ugly and brown. Honestly, the connection I would have jumped to is less that he's trying to emulate Lupin and more that he's trying to emulate Sirius but can't afford such a lavish fur coat. Oh, I love that. And he's like, I oh, love that. He, he saw how fresh Sirius looked and is like, that's what I, that's my fashion icon. <laughs> my fashion icon, my sexy godfather. This is my, I'm putting together my Sirius lookbook, uh, but all I have <laughs> is this horrible brown jacket. <laughs> jacket and absolutely nothing else ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really funny the costuming in this movie is god-awful i hate it it's i talk about this a lot during these movies that i hate um how much like uh, how there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason uh for why some things it's like they're some people are dressed like muggles um and and some people are dressed like wizards and it's just like completely random why are crab and goyle in like weird uh mall goth bully outfits they look like they're movie? on their way to an mcr show like yeah like it's really weird then um oh we gotta t- let's let's we I'm rubbing my hands together with glee. It's time to, we, I, I, if we're talking about the wardrobing, we've got to talk about uh, Voldemort appearing in a sexy suit right okay, after. Okay, yeah, the- because this is important because we've talked about there's, this is a, um, this is a, a romance game now. This is a, this is a harem, you know, anime going on. And this is one of our choices and it's sexy Voldemort in a, in a waiter <laughs> suit. <laughs> it's so weird. Like immediately after the scene that we talked about earlier where Harry uh, uh, has the heart to heart with a nude Sirius wearing a fur coat. He leaves that waiting room, walks to the train, and then immediately has a vision of Voldemort looking like Slenderman, like in a just in a completely <laughs> black suit with a tie, which I had forgotten about because like that's the same suit Draco wears in the book six or movie six, right? Uh, basically, yeah. I mean, it might as well be. It might be a little, a little fancier, but you can't, you can't wear a waiter suit fancier than your boss's waiter suit is the right of the story. What? Which there are so many implications here. Is this? Did Voldemort take Malfoy out on like his first day to lunch and was like, "We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you looking spiffy. We're gonna go to the tailor. Tell the tailor, hey, Voldemort sent you." Uh, and we'll get you we'll get you all set up with a nice waiter suit uh <laughs> like what is it was this supposed to be like the death eater uniform in this movie i wish it was i wish so bad that the next time we saw the death eaters they were all standing around in waiter suits <laughs> <laughs> may i take your hat sir just just <laughs> all chilling oh my god it's so weird it it, it we get multiple Voldemort like visions like this, but like it's 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 confusing because we we get enough of them that it sticks out, but we don't get enough of them to fully grok like what is it trying to say to the audience? Like, are these visions Harry's having? Is this Voldemort literally like manifesting before him? Like, like who? Who is who is picturing Voldemort in the suit? Is it Harry or is it Voldemort? It does, is this how Voldemort is this Voldemort's ideal look to him? <laughs> I I any implication here is excellent. Yeah, like is, the, is Voldemort he, just trying out some outfits? Like, because I, I I am 
I, you know, spoilers, but um, I was very, very disappointed that when Voldemort shows up at the ministry, he's not wearing the suit. He's yeah. wearing his he's wearing his goblet of fire robes. Like, are those the only clothes he can wear after he's been resurrected? Is he still barefoot under there? Does he is he is that like a part of his resurrection? He's like, I wish I could have a cool waiter suit. Is he also nude under there, like Sirius? He has a nude aura. There's a lot of (laughs) nude aura going around in this film. Yes, definitely. It's just so funny that this movie bounces between Harry, like, engaging with the adults in his life who are all just fucking dressing. Like... Is it Harry? Did Harry get really into like creepy pasta over summer vacation? And so now he's like inserting like is that his unconscious inserting the scariest thing you can think of? It's like this yeah, Voldemort guy reminds me a lot of Slenderman. His deepest fear is meeting meeting Slenderman. He's he's <laughs> he's been playing Minecraft all night. He's built this whole train station, and the last thing he wants is for an Enderman to show up and, right, and exactly. steal his blocks. And he's and Voldemort's there to steal his blocks. Yeah, and he can't he can't sleep at night. He's so he's so freaked out that um he stays up late and prints off some some clip art of owls to post on his bulletin. <laughs> to put board. on his pin board. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, speaking of wardrobe, I'm gonna go back to factinate.com for fact number 40. Um fact number 40 is breasts. <laughs> Helena Bonham Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. <laughs> Mm. who played mm-hmm. bellatrix lestrange uh-huh. wore chicken fillets to make her breasts look bigger i don't know if i believe this website i don't think that's true but if it is helena there are other you have options that don't involve putting <laughs> meat in your clothes <laughs> what is this website i know i know that we we talk a lot about themes characters uh symbols and we sometimes neglect facts but i'm not i don't know if this is the way well how about this one fact number 38 frenemies even though they play enemies in the film emma thompson and imelda staunton are very good friends they have appeared in many films together and they live opposite of each other despite this we believe they hated each other and that's what we call good acting that's just acting (laughs) yeah they made me believe that they were wizards i don't think any of them hate each other (sighs) ah I'm I'm a big fan of 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 fact today. I'm just scrolling through here. There's fact 31, too bad. Ooh. Fact 30, ad lib. Oh, in the scene where Harry, Ron, and Hermione are discussing Harry's kiss with Cho, the three begin to crack up near the end of the scene. This was all laughter from the three actors. The director thought it was good for the scene and kept rolling. The best acting is no acting. Ooh, that's deep. I love that. I guess that's <laughs> why that conversation was diffused in that way. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I will say I do like I, I much prefer that scene with them laughing at the end because it, it, you know, it, it means that Ron is not a monster in this movie. But uh, it, uh, thank you, Factinate. OK, I've got one. Sorry, I got one more fact for us here before we move Good. on. This, uh, uh, David Yates. Wait, no, this is even better. Uh, Riding dirty during filming, Alan Rickman banned Matthew Lewis and Rupert Grint from being within five meters of his new BMW because during the making of <laughs> Goblet of Fire, they spilled a milkshake on his car. Oh, that's the deep lore. That's wait, is that what the Hermione thing is a reference to? The Emma Watson no imagine Co- coincidence. Coincidence? It can't. It cannot be. I refuse. I refuse <laughs> to believe this is the this deep is the deepest lore. lore. Updating my journal. <laughs> I love the idea of Snape banning uh, Ron and Neville from being near his BMW, though. That is, yeah, me too. That is very powerful. 
Okay, so Cho Cho sells them out in this, which I think even when we read the book, we said like, damn, that would make a lot more sense. If only uh, in this movie she was a character at all. Like, oops, it, oops, like like they they did set it up like this in the movie uh, to have it be like some deep betrayal by his girlfriend, except that that doesn't really work because the only scene we really get with her where we get any sense of what uh, uh, her like um, headspace is like in, in this relationship is there's that part where they're walking into school uh, after they're back from Christmas break and Arthur Weasley being in hospital or whatever. And while Harry is hanging out with Cho, Hermione walks up to them is like Hagrid's back and ha- and Harry has to leave. Mm-hmm. And that's like the one like, show Hermione jealousy hint we get but that's a really benign scene and there's not even there's not even like an awkward mix-up where it seems more romantic than it really is like there's no comedy of errors here it's just Hermione being like hey Hagrid's back and he leaves to go talk to Hagrid which really just makes Cho seem like a complete psychopath in this movie because of this is that what they I did I didn't even catch that that was supposed to be a jealousy moment it is nothing like like chose chose not in this movie like it's yeah. she's it, she's not a character they have a kiss uh she sells them out and then there's like an uh, there's a part where um af, af, you know after the you know the aftermath where 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 you know Dumbledore's left and Harry's in trouble and everything Cho walks up to him and is like Harry it was a misunderstanding and then he just kind of like brushes her off and like she's not in the movie anymore after that just conflict over no more yeah there's no resolution and also harry uh, there uh, he doesn't he gets over it really fast he doesn't care he's not like oh i can't i'm so sad that that thing with cho didn't work out because she betrayed me he doesn't give a shit <laughs> no he doesn't care it's 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 not he's very like oh shucks about it this whole movie right like it's like <laughs> right. uh, you know i just oh shucks i was just trying to do the right thing and it just it all turned turned around on me oh, oh. darn it Oh, we we have to talk about his his constant line of phrase, which is "I cared too much." Ah, uh, uh, I just cared too much. My <laughs> scars he... remind me that the past is real. <laughs> Tear my heart open just to feel. Do you like that? <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. But you didn't expect that beautiful i loved that thank you for for regaling us with that song i was trying i was trying to come in at the part where he says because i cared too much mm-hmm. but i couldn't remember what what the lead up to so i just finished <laughs> with the chorus yeah her, harry just cares too much um uh so so cho sells them out we get we do get the insane uh Dumbledore uh uh like escape sequence where Umbridge and, and Malfoy and everyone are there except um it's it is on fast forward because this whole movie is basically a montage and so there's just this part where like Fudge is like oh I'm you gotta come with me Dumbledore and Dumbledore just, like stands up from his desk and is like no and like claps his hands together and like summons Fox and there's just he just like does an actual AoE attack like he just knocks everyone over. It is so good. Yeah, he does a, a a cool clap above his head. Yeah, it would just. I know we keep harping on this, but some truly god awful CGI uh, when he when he <laughs> claps and summons some unreal particle effects and, and disappears. 
uh kingsley gets the you have to admit he has style line which wowie not sure they had to keep that honestly uh could have left that one in the book and i wouldn't have minded sure yeah um i i wish that i could um say something about it but i have banned a certain word from my vocabulary so i will Mm. not Mm. what word Mm, i'm not mm, i can't (laughs) i can't i cannot say (laughs) um dumbledore in general in this movie is so weird like i i now fully understand like goblet it didn't bother me as much i'm now i'm you know i'm not a hundred percent on board with like the way people talk about the, the you know the the his casting choice in these movies but i'm at least like coming around to the uh the idea of it i i don't know who anyone involved in this movie thinks dumbledore is supposed to be uh there's that part where when umbridge fires trelawney and like when when that scene's over dumbledore like looks at all of the kids around and is like really venomously like don't y'all are studying to be doing like <laughs> what the where did that come from i don't i don't get it i think that dumbledore had one good scene in this movie um and it was um i don't even know where in the movie it happened but harry is I guess it's after um, Harry uh, becomes Snake, attacks Arthur Weasley, and he's in Dumbledore's office, and Dumbledore is like kind of like you, you know uh, dispatching the troops to deal with it, and Harry mm-hmm. like loses it and yells at him and is like, "Look at me!" And oh, I that's that a was really, a really good scene. awesome moment, and I think that Dumbledore was like that was a strong portrayal of dumbledore in that moment yeah but other than that his his stuff is just completely bonkers yeah i forgot about that's a really good scene also some good some some good uh daniel unchained there like like he 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 let it rip that was a good it was like a genuine moment i think yeah Uh, uh, some some good acting from him but yeah i I, and i also i like that change too because i like like uh, I mean, I guess it's not really a change because, like, it does happen in the book where, like, they lock eyes for a minute and Harry feels the Voldemort in him or whatever. Um, but it's it's much more overt in the movie. And like you say, I think I think that is a really good Dumbledore scene. But other than that, yeah, like he yells at the kids. He uh, <laughs> he's he he comes off really dismissive at the end of the movie and the like when he he echoes harry's i cared too much line or he says i mm. care too much to harry like that's that scene comes off really weird it's mm. yeah i i just don't know about that one um we gotta talk about grop that's kind of the next last big thing before the ministry huh mm, cut cut this out just give this the axe just get it out of the movie. Didn't need to be here. Shouldn't have been in the book. Shouldn't have been in the movie. It's god awful. Um, I was impressed, and I mean that in a bad way, that they changed it into a different way to be bad. Yeah, they made it more offensive somehow. Which um, wow. Yeah. Uh, I I I I one of my least favorite like fantasy design tropes ever which is really common especially in movies of this era uh is this portrayal of giants or trolls or like any you know ogres any any like like character that is supposed to be like a big giant person uh and 
portraying them as having very realistic facial deformities associated with like developmental disability. I hate mm-hmm. that shit. So yeah, that's all. That's all the shit. I mean, it is. It is like yeah. so bad. It so is so bad. It is so uncomfortable and horrible. It, yeah, it's 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 nasty. It's uncomfortable. It does not help itself at all by having this bizarre. So I, the phrase you used when we did when we read the books was King Kong, where where, he, where Hermione gets King Konged in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets picked up and and she she has, what is it? She needs a she uses a firm hand to get him to to stop. Um, Ugh, why it's, it's really bad she's like really enamored with grop in the movie because he like he's he's nice to her and he like picks up a bicycle and starts ringing the bell and she's like giggling like oh how cute like the the big man is is ringing the bell they just really really lay it on thick in this movie and it's it's really gross it's it's bad it's worse than it was in the book <laughs> it sucks so bad it's terrible and and it's completely pointless because like we we see grop he's introduced then he disappears he's like not a concern for like the rest of the movie until we get to the part where uh uh umbridge is let out into the woods which for some reason they like i you know hermione's joker plan was weird <laughs> in the book <laughs> in the movie they do this bizarre thing where they um they really belabor to the audience that it's a, like an improvised scheme to the point where umbridge realizes and has this monologue about like oh you there's no weapon is there you led me out here to try and get me away from the castle i can't believe i have been hoodwinked by children like just just like just really bad like on the nose like like making sure the audience is keeping up with everything which was completely unnecessary because her because harry also has a scene where he like leans over to hermione he's like what are you doing and she says improvising so we get all of all of that stuff handed to us already and then we just get umbridge repeating it verbatim to the audience like ah i have been tricked i have been rused i have been bamboozled audience like it's just real real bad and then the centaurs show up this is also just such a weird um, culmination of the Umbridge storyline, which I know I know they had to resolve it this way, but but they gave her a Looney Tunes montage of being an evil teacher, and I guess we get the like torture scene, but this like like racist getting her comeuppance scene just feels like it comes out of nowhere. She gets some bizarre lines to try to get you up to speed that that's what's happening because she she like hits a centaur with like a rope spell and it's horrible. And, and like, it's just like this like really bad CGI horse falling over, making like animal horse noises. And Hermione runs over and is like, stop it. You're killing him. And then like Grop shows up and the centaurs and Grop like, like fight. And Hermione goes, they don't know what they're doing. And it's just awful. (laughs) It's so weird. Cause yeah, like the only hint that we've gotten at her, like fantasy racism was in a comedy montage where we were supposed to laugh at her measuring flitwick right Right. because there's no like there's no forens stuff in this movie so we don't get that we don't really get like she's rude to hagrid but she doesn't she's not like overt about why uh like she is in the book so this really comes out of nowhere they've also like changed 
the centaurs in this movie from what because like in the first movie i mean they looked god awful but they were characters and they like talked right and they were like people horses and here instead what we get is like it plays like uh, uh tribal dot wav when they appear mm-hmm. like uh and then and then they don't speak they just no, they grunt. make horse now yeah they noises. grunt and make horse sounds and like point and it's really confusing like i was like like i i i don't know if i agree with it but i i would at least like understand if like this was a decision they came to to make that storyline suck less if it was like well maybe the centaurs instead of being like just people who like are stuck in the woods maybe they're like maybe we lean a little bit more into them sort of being like more like like animal people which i don't like but i i i I get how someone could arrive at that solution Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work if we've already seen them walking and talking and behaving like people in other movies right like like did they did they like regress to like centaur neanderthals in the past four years what happened yeah it it just it feels so rushed and and again like you said it feels like a just like a hey do you remember this scene from the book you get to see it now it's over and and it feels that way when it cuts immediately to um like harry ron and hermione and luna and neville meeting on the like twisty bridge and they're like whoo that was crazy well i mean it's super weird knowing because that's the last we see of umbridge we don't get the we don't get the mungos scene with her she's um, dead the, yeah she she just died which again oh i mentioned the the hogwarts room clunker but this might actually be a, a bigger brick of a line which is when uh she's being dragged off by centaurs and she says to harry uh tell them i mean no harm uh and he says to her sorry professor i must not tell lies Oof. which mm, kind of mm, ice cold she's gonna die I, harry like <laughs> she's dead uh yeah that stuff sucks so fucking bad um and then this is uh where we go to the department of mysteries and i if i if that sounds rushed that's literally how we get it in the movie like like there's no they they meet neville and luna and Ginny on the on the rickety bridge in the twisty hallway from ocarina of time like you mm-hmm. said yep. we were watching uh-huh. it um and they say oh harry says oh i've seen the orb uh I, I, we need to go they've to got, the orb they've got serious voldemort's got serious he's in his waiter suit and he's got serious he's, he's got in my him. hoodie yeah um so they go okay we're gonna fly on festivals although which which granted like this is mostly what happens in the book except they then we then cut to them writing festivals then we cut to them being inside the ministry like (laughs) no no adventure no like like scene where they solve all the like the room puzzles no brain room no love room just no time room they they just they just go to the ministry and they walk into the orb room that's it like i don't know if you're cutting so much stuff from this book which you should why why are why was stuff not cut to make room for like 
this sequence, right? Like surely you would want in, in you know, I, I I this is this is very uncharacteristic of me who generally hates like the big long action sequence third acts in fantasy movies. Mm-hmm. But like th- this book was basically a blueprint for a screenplay, right? Uh Yeah. You could not have written the Department of Mystery stuff in a more action movie format. I was I, I why did they why was that all gone why there's no sense of mystery in the department of mysteries stuff that's what i mean by it feeling like a clear play cut like it's like all the scary stuff was cut out mm-hmm. um especially because when we do get to the action it is a comedy it is yeah. a, it is a comedy sequence yeah it's, Were they it's, worried it was going to be too scary for kids? Is that what happened? I, yeah, because like we we don't so so Ron doesn't get brain. Mm-mm. Um. Uh. There's no. There's no Neville reminding us that Ron is okay. Probably, maybe. Um. <laughs> there's no. Uh. So there's no brains. There's no time room. There's no baby headed Death Eater. There's no. There's like no. Like like this like for as bad as it felt in the books to be reading what felt like a screenplay treatment, I at least would have expected this to be a pretty like fun ride to go on in a movie, right? Like like I could see all that stuff working in a in a in a visual format. I'd be down to like go through the weird hall of horrors to get to the orb room, right? Like that sounds cool. Sure. Why yeah. not? There's a lot of weird uh I mean it would have been terrible CG, but some like weird <laughs> weird magical artifacts and things and and some of it's like a callback to like oh remember the time turner from from prisoner of azkaban like that's pretty cool but nope we're just in orb room um and we get like a comedy orb action sequence i i couldn't believe i mean the music is just so bad and they're like running from the death eaters and i guess the death eaters are like scary looking but there are two parts where like lucius appears and the death eaters this this is our first i think um uh like visual of seeing the death eaters doing their signature like fly around as black smoke sequence mm-hmm. and he like appears but his hand is just out he's just like give that to me <laughs> and, and, and harry's like no and he's like oh darn and then he just like becomes mist again and goes it, away it's just a give me your phone give name. me your phone it's so Harry, good and he doesn't we, so they get approached they find first of all there's the so they they go into the orb room and there's this moment where like neville points out like oh this must be the orb because it has your name on it harry and like you know in old cartoons when like the background is painted but like a drawer is going to move or something so like one of them <laughs> is like like an obvious cartoon drawer on the backdrop yeah. That's what the orb looks like because all the orbs look very uniform and like organized. But then there's just this one that is like smaller and a different color and like has a label on it and is really dusty. And it's really, it's really funny. Like, oh, I wonder which of these <laughs> is the orb we need. Um, and then when Lucius and Bellatrix appear, I mean, like one, I, I will say always happy to see Jason Isaacs. He is a delight. He's um, so good. He's so good. He's another romance option. He's another romance option in this movie full of of handsome fellas. Uh, but Bellatrix vamping in the background is so bad. Uh, I kind of just want to like take a sidebar to talk about Bellatrix here. Like just generally. Yeah. 
Yep. Helena Bonham Carter. They, speaking of movies that came out in 2007, this was the same year that Sweeney Todd came out. Sure uh, was. Did you get to go see Sweeney Todd? Uh, it, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I, me too. I, yeah, I uh, mm. I saw it. I was not in the drama class, but I think I went to like on. No, it wouldn't have been a few. Was that movie R or PG thirteen? I remember having to sign I a think permission it was slip. R. I remember having to sign a permit, get a permission slip signed for something to do with Sweeney Todd. And I can't remember whether that was I was going on the field trip to watch it with the drama class, or we watched it in like English class or something. And I need like I, but I definitely saw Sweeney Todd like in school. Uh, That's uh, so strange. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty gory. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out if it was rated R, but I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was. Is um, yeah. if a, a call out for 2007. Why was that the brand, folks? <laughs> what was going on? Helena Bonham Carter really made a cottage industry out of just like appearing as herself and doing this, which is just being being a little wacky. It was very popular. The, the people loved it. That's there the thing. A... Is like I don't like it, but I can't really say that it because it, it, people ate that shit up in two thousand seven. People are still asking for the extended scene of her torturing Hermione. Right. They want that shit. Um, we watched that little making of clip that was very funny, where that like Helena Bonham Carter in a very normal voice was just like, "Yeah, I've uh, I've done the the evil witch thing, I've done the hag thing a lot, and I got to make it sexy, you know, like, <sighs> <laughs> like thank you, Helena." Um, I I feel like everyone in this movie like really really phoned it in, except for her, who clearly is incapable of phoning it in. <laughs> she, like yeah, she, she, they, she just does this every time and there's nothing, there's nothing else. This is her she, only mode. Her only mode is just like 150%. Like, uh-huh. like she just, she's like her, her vision of Bellatrix's madness is like, if there's any phallic object near her, she needs to lick it sexily. Like she's like yeah. licking her wand the whole time or like her finger, like just constantly licking stuff. Um, the part where, Harry, like they changed that because, like, you know, she kills Sirius in that action sequence. Uh, uh, but like when Harry chases her out and like knocks her over with the Crucio spell, which, first of all, I didn't realize that Crucio like had force in it. Like, oh, yeah, it's also force push, <laughs> yeah, also force push. She gets knocked over. Um, she instead of her, like, in the you know, in the in the book, she just like doesn't care and she like immediately is like laughing at him. There's like this part where she's like looks genuinely scared of him, which is an interesting choice, except that her again, she's on she's still on 150%. And so her like her <laughs> her way of expressing being scared of him is like vibrating the bottom of her jaw back and forth and shaking her head like a chihuahua. Like just just like a bad and it's just after and it's like i can't take it seriously because it comes directly after her running away with looney tunes music playing with her (laughs) going i killed sirius black it's yeah it's it's just too much all the time do you know (laughs) do you know who was rumored to play her instead of helena bonham carter who elizabeth hurley what yeah you remember her (laughs) yes i do (laughs) Hold can on, I'm going to refresh my memory really quick and and look up a photo just so I can envision that yeah. a little bit better. 
Yes, I want that. Yeah, I could kind of, I could kind of see this. It would have been fun. Yeah, change it. Yeah. She, yeah, she's just way too out of place. She's too out of place in any movie that's not Sweeney Todd. She fits <laughs> right into the 2007 Sweeney Todd. God, Take I'm just that imagining, as you will. <laughs> just imagining Elizabeth Hurley being in a Harry Potter movie, being the evil witch, is is such a bizarre idea that i'm kind of into i'm all like just, for it yeah just why not um but yeah the, before before sirius dies this fucking action sequence where he first of all oh speaking of it being a comedy sequence how about the part where lucius is like again to harry give me your phone and then the camera moves slightly and sirius is right behind him and says don't touch my godson and then like punches him like just gives him a sucker punch in the back of the head Uh, i'm just you know i'm just not allowed to say a good word that would describe how cool that is um how about how about the part where (laughs) i thought you were about to say i'm not allowed to say the word that describes the kind of punch he does comedy part where it cuts away from lucius doing give me your phone to that death eater that is running i think after luna and he just gets like fucking like a an orb falls and makes like a comedy like brick falling on his head sound and bounces off and just knocks him right over yeah (laughs) how about when moody shows up and uh bonks his staff on the ground to do the (laughs) world of warcraft auto attack sound effect oh and then of course it all culminates with uh voldemort appearing behind harry uh uh while he's talking with bellatrix and dumbledore coming stepping out of the fireplace and Mm. them having their epic showdown which uh amounts to them shooting a fucking uh lightning at each other back and forth for 10 minutes uh, yeah, and and this whole time I'm just feeling so cheated because Voldemort is not wearing any of the incredible fashion we've seen him in so far. No, he's wearing his Goblet of Fire robes, which, however, does result in at least one really funny part where he... Okay, I do not like the design of Voldemort in these movies. I think it... The, the, I think, like, they, they really misread what was scary about his description in the books, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um... Uh, however, I will say, for as bad as it looks, I do love Ray Fiennes in this role. Uh, I I think that he is at least having a good ass time. Oh, and definitely. Specifically, I am referring to the part where he, in his stupidest move in the film, <laughs> uh, conjure he breaks all the glass in the Ministry and shoots it at, at Dumbledore. Which, like, sort of happens in the book description, I think, but it, the book battle was much cooler because they were also, like, controlling, like, statue golems to fight each other and stuff. Uh, that would have been so cool. Yeah. It's really um, corny, but I would have loved... I mean, they loved CG. Why couldn't have we had, like, this really cool, giant, like, bronze, yeah. like, statue of a centaur galloping around with its, like, head cut off or whatever? What if they had, like, a That's mech badass, fight? badass. Well, they had, right? like, a mech fight where, like, Dumbledore's on one statue and, and Voldemort's on the other statue and they're just, like, duking it out. That sounds kind of cool. It's badass is what that is. Um, But instead, uh voldemort like 
uh, he summons all the glass and he shoots it at Dumbledore. And there's this shot where he, the way he's doing it is he's raised his hands up and he's like two handing his wand above his head. And like, does that belly help? dancing? <laughs> kind of. Good for uh, him. Which means what that a great his, performance. Yeah, his <laughs> robes like fall from his arms, and you just see like Voldemort's like f- like just like normal guy arms, like way too much <laughs> of his arms. And it's really funny. Like, and it I the problem is the, the here's a problem. Like, obviously, this shouldn't be funny. It should be cool and scary and badass. It should be a big cool fight, right? Mm-hmm. But I am at least glad we got Ray Fine nude Ray Fines. And his like squishy <laughs> arms wiggling his head back and forth, going Bleh! and just shooting glass at people. Like, okay, sure, why not? I I wish that they didn't think, and uh, like the makers of this film didn't think this was cool and scary. Because if, if this movie was just supposed to be fun, yeah, it would have been fun. It still was kind of fun, um, but yeah, I can't be scared of Voldemort with his arm flabs showing. I just can't. <laughs> goofy looking he's having a great time though but yeah the the dumbledore voldemort fight scene is just so boring because like they do the same thing that they did in the goblet of fire movie when harry and voldemort's wands touched and like they're just like shooting the like the goo back and forth at each other no it's making that horrible sound i don't even know how to describe it it's like the it's just like the constant like Mm, I, I guess it's, it's just like a, a special effects laser meeting it's like fire a wet, welding sound yeah it's like a wet crackle like Ugh. it's it's just really really uninspired um then when you know when when voldemort realizes his glass attack didn't work because dumbledore cast a bubble threw down a bubble That's shield so weird that that didn't work <laughs> he threw down a bubble shield protected protected harry um uh voldemort uh possesses harry just like he does in the book but the way that they convey that is harry wiggling around on the ground kind of <laughs> like kind of like light at the end of death note yeah. uh uh and, but like yelling in voldemort's voice at dumbledore but inside harry's mind we get like these <laughs> like quick cuts of like voldemort like one one we get very nude voldemort with like a like a desktop background behind him and he keeps on like looking at the camera and going like bah! like just really <laughs> weird faces and 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 voices <laughs> and then there's like these these couple of brief shots of him like oh he's like he's like changing harry's memories or reality or whatever and there's this part where there's like a shot from prisoner of azkaban where harry's looking in the mirror wearing a hoodie and t-shirt but they've put voldemort's face on him and i can't believe that this has not become a meme like like this there are so many like faces from the harry potter movies that just have like become jokes over time yeah earnestly cannot believe that voldemort wearing a hoodie and just looking really (laughs) bored has never like entered the the like reaction picture lexicon it's so good it is incredible I, yeah i i am shocked that i have never seen this screen capped i've seen voldemort in the waiter suit screen capped a lot yeah uh but that's it and usually <laughs> not, not as a joke for some reason yeah no it's like oh it's, it's always like a mood board like oh look at this sexy voldemort um the uh the the we also get there's 
I screencapped it. I need to post it, but I sent it to you. When when Harry remembers his friends and like sends Voldemort out of his head in this weird like limbo space where the like badly composited in Voldemort keeps going bad to him. Uh <laughs> There, there's when the, the way that they like visually convey Voldemort leaving Harry's consciousness is, I can only describe it like, have you ever seen that gif of of Vince McMahon, the the, the wrestling guy, like looking at the bodybuilders and getting increasingly excited? Yes, and, and he like falls out of his chair. Mm-hmm. Voldemort falls out of his chair in the exact same way that Vince McMahon does in that gif, and it is. <laughs> so weird i like it's really hard to square this because like like, i i I had a moment where i was thinking like well azkaban has a lot of corny stuff too and i loved that so am i just being too mean to this movie or or what but i realized that like azkaban like made that its aesthetic like wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. you know like like they, they they added that character who was just like the greek chorus who would talk to the audience uh they added that bizarre scene where like Dumbledore monologues to Snape about dreams. Uh, mm-hmm. They added, you know, the, the, there's the freeze frame at the end. Like Azkaban is just a, a, a corny Halloween movie in the, the best way possible. Right. Yeah, like, it, it knows what it's doing and it's for kids, but it's fun and yeah. it looks pretty good and stylish. I think. Yeah. This movie, much like the book, honestly, I mean, like, you know, I even read that quote from David Yates, about like how he thought he was hired because he makes good political dramas this movie feels like it's it's it can't decide if it wants to be a kid's movie or a serious political drama which i suppose is the essence of this book right like like that is the two wow they nailed it yeah it's the two polar opposites of the book as well but like just really clumsily in both the book and the movie really clumsily forced together and it just it doesn't work here when 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 it gets corny it just feels corny it doesn't feel like I would describe the Azkaban movie as cozy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just like has just such a, a fun vibe around all of its uh, goofy bullshit. Whereas this is just like, shouldn't I be scared of Voldemort right now? Like, why is he making an O face? Like, like why shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't this be, shouldn't, shouldn't this be scary? Shouldn't I be freaked out? But it just doesn't ever get there. Yeah, yeah, I like both of these movies. I mean, this is a terrible one, but the the different um uh, different vibes I have is like Prisoner of Azkaban. I could see myself like on a on a stormy night, like curling up on the couch with some hot cocoa and watching Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. having just a pretty good time. And Order of the Phoenix is more like get your friends together and do like a drinking game and laugh at this <laughs> really bad movie. Like that that is the, that is the different the different vibes here. So Fudge then appears. And sees Voldemort just from across the room. And it's like, oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. And oh, that's he's back. his <laughs> And that's oh. his final line. He's just, oh, he's, he's back. here. Yeah. Ooh, I saw him. Uh, Voldemort, Voldemort really blew it. I hate I hate it when my master plan is ruined because I broke all of the glass in the government building. <laughs> it has like the same sense of urgency as when someone sees you in the goose game that just came out. <laughs> Where they're just like doing the like goose animation where the goose like opens its wings and it's like back (laughs) off, back off. (laughs) Right, exactly. Just no, you know, very low stakes uh, discovery of Voldemort here. Um, uh, And then, I mean, that's basically the movie. 
we get this, you know we get this is like Voldemort like failing the stealth mission on purpose it's like when you're like playing a video game and you're like frustrated you're trying to stealth it out and you're just like ah sh- I'm just gonna break everything yeah I'm gonna restart anyway <laughs> right um the the we get we you know we get the we get the the heart to heart between Dumbledore and Voldemort oh, it's are, yeah are Harry it's not so rushed yeah he basically only says like uh, Harry, Harry says like you don't know how I feel, and Voldemort. And God, I'm getting everyone mixed up now. Uh, Dumbledore is just like, no, no, Harry, it was me because I cared too much. And then like Harry mm. just sort of looks at him like that's the most profound shit he's ever heard in his life. Yeah, they're having a bonding moment. They're listening to that Papa Roach song. <laughs> they're just sitting they're together like, listening this- to Papa Roach. Dumbledore puts it on. He's like, I know how you feel. Check this out. <laughs> And they're really, really uh, giving that one a think uh, together and having this great bonding moment. Oh, my God. Um, and then it basically just cuts to Harry, Luna, Neville, Ginny, uh, Ron and Hermione walking to the train to leave Hogwarts. Harry is wearing the fucking corduroy jacket again. Mm, he sure is. I this is this this is the moment that made me mad. And now in retrospect, I know why. But I am so I hate it that the kids are all of a sudden they're all wearing muggle clothes for some reason. Literally every single one. They've got Jansport backpacks on. But then there's like this cut to them loading up the train with like the old timey old fashioned trunks that you <laughs> picture with Harry Potter. And they just look like kids going home from like a Harry Potter themed like camp. <laughs> this it is every so couple bad. on Reddit leaving after posting that fucking picture of Hogwarts. Everyone posts. Right. Like- <laughs> and I'm just like, why the visual design is such a mess. It looks so bad. It looks so fake and corny. It's weird, it, right? Because like it makes sense for like 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 in Azkaban, Harry and Hermione both wear a lot of Muggle clothes, but that makes sense for them, right? Because they're Muggle-born, or or at least like Harry Harry lived with Muggles for a long time. Like he he, it makes sense for him. Having all the kids do it is confusing, and I think this is going to get more confusing as the movies go on. Because like we've we've talked about um, Draco's waiter suit, obviously, mm, yeah. Uh, um. Uh, but but the 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 idea of of like you know the wizards don't have any idea about muggle fashion stuff is just like gone now like like just not a concern at all in these films and it 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 makes it very like not even just from like a like just a basic like oh i wish it was more like the book's perspective but like the the one that gets me is that the the death eaters all wearing sexy suits is so strange to me because aren't they like the the people who want to stomp out all muggle influence right like, the, this is uh, the th- that's the thing is that I, I don't hate it because i'm like oh they should be wearing robes because that's what it says they do in the book right. i hate it i hate it because it feels like a missed opportunity to st- tell a story here mm-hmm. um especially in, in it's, it's as if they forgot what the books are supposed to be about and i I think that the books like do this with kind of not they're, they're not very effective at this. But when you have like a, a a group of people who are racist against muggles or whatever, mm-hmm. this is such such a chance to show muggle culture being at Hogwarts and the different people that would adopt that and also show the kids of the Death Eaters 
reacting to that, right? Mm-hmm. Reacting on what they perceive as a threat to their their way of life and then like mm-hmm. the way they justify those. Like it, it the pieces are there and it's like they just don't it, it's just all random. It's yeah. random how everyone is dressed. By the time we get to Deathly Hallows, I think everyone is just dressed like a cool muggle. Like like even the snatchers and stuff like that that are chasing them in the woods and shit. It's just like normal looking guys. Um, but Harry gives a bizarre line and a summation of the movie, which is, you know, he's feeling good. He's 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 not depressed anymore. He got over it. Um, he fixed his brain and he says Wonderful. and he says, uh, uh, we have something that Voldemort doesn't. Uh, something to believe in. And like, that's the where the movie closes. What? What does he mean? What does Which, that mean, Harry? Yeah. What is it, Harry? What does that mean? Because uh, Voldemort absolutely has something to believe in. It's an evil thing, but he definitely believes in it, right? Like, yeah, that's a big problem, actually. The, yeah. The Death Eaters have very strong convictions, right? Like, like they, they, they believe some shit. They believe a lot of shit, maybe more than any of the normies in the rest of the wizarding world do, right? Like that's that's kind of a problem in the story uh so i just don't even know what he's talking about yeah like how is that how is that what is what is he referring to what what theme is this is this supposed to be communicating to me he's yeah uh, harry has friends and Voldemort Uh doesn't because because when he he does have friends he's He's got Lucius. He's got Jugson. He's got Bellatrix. He's he's apparently banging Bellatrix. Cause, yeah, cause that, that's cause canon. That's canon. Um, so I think Voldemort's got plenty of friends. It sounds like honestly, uh, he's good. He's got a lot of friends who believe the same shitty things he does. That's kind of the problem. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a film. Uh. Except, hang on a moment. What's that? Mm. I hear a knock, knock, knock at the door, reminding me. Uh, that we skipped over something that's very important that I think you should take the lead on. We didn't. We didn't talk about Snape. I don't know if our listeners want to hear me gushing about Snape. Yes, uh, they and do. How hot Alan Rickman is. Yes, for... we do. It. <laughs> the Occlumency scenes are the best scenes in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Snape has a very sexy aura. I love his new robes. They're very tight. Um, it's very tight robe. Very it's sexy. Very, it's a very intimate scene. Because, uh, you know, he's he's invading Harry's mind. Um, but then uh, the spell gets bounced back and we get hit the flashback to his childhood. And it is in that moment where Alan Rickman is just way too old to be playing this role. Also, I don't know why that's in the movie. It doesn't matter at all. Cut it. <laughs> do you know why that's in there why do we need to know about snape being bullied it's not like uh, harry follows up about that right i i i feel like and, and i think i will say to to these movies credit we get a redo of this scene in book six or movie six um where they do the full proper marauders scene i think because in this movie like you say it's entirely pointless like like Snape is not a character in this movie like he is in the mm-hmm. book. Uh so this this is like completely superfluous uh to what they chose to stick in the movie and like it's it's very poorly shot. I mean like you you kept on sending me while while we were watching this movie 
uh, uh, they made this movie on $10, which it really feels yeah. like a lot of the time. And this scene is the most shot on shot for $10 looking thing in the whole whole film. Uh, also, again, it's like because it's shot as like a, a, a fast sort of dream sequency flashback. It doesn't have the like weight of like a horrific bullying scene, especially when the first flashback, like little snippet we see is like, ah, Snape's Snape, little young Snape has toilet paper stuck to his shoe. <laughs> why, why do we have to see that? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's 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 entirely pointless. But hey, the actual Snape scenes. How about that part where he like basically is like looking directly into the camera and says, like, I'm going to penetrate your mind like thank thank you david yates wow yeah (laughs) i like it thank you uh this movie i i i i i have a read on this movie that i you know i think that is it is an entirely unintentional accidental byproduct of the way this movie was made um and how it just like flits between um scenes with no real uh 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 time allowed for you know time allotted for any of the characters to really breathe or like have normal movie scenes um this movie is like one of the most unintentionally homoerotic things i think i've ever seen like (laughs) harry yes the characters who get the most time with harry are all of the like male mentor figures in his life. Uh, we've got Sirius. We've got, so we have nude Sirius wearing the jacket. Uh, we've got a sudden vision of sexy Voldemort wearing a suit directly after that. We've got uh, a Snape leaning over him, wearing a, wearing a very form fitting new robe and yelling about <sighs> penetrating. We've got, uh i mean like like this is more just because lucius is uh is jason isaacs and is very handsome but like lucius is is demanding his phone all the time <laughs> it's i i like and, and and to be clear i'm not saying this like as a joke i'm not being like haha funny gay i just mean like like b- because the only characters who really get to be characters in this movie which is essentially just a giant clip show um much like the luna scene similar it's similar to to what you were talking about with 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 the you know uh, the way that the luna romance is set up and maybe that's there to give him a case of the not gays because they because they realized that the movie came off this way nearly harry's primary concerns in this movie are all centered around like the the different men in his life pulling him in different directions and i just find that really interesting i guess that it just that like there's I think there's a read on this movie where where it feels like maybe the thing that Harry is all pent up and, and angry about is like discovering his sexuality or something right like the, to realizing he's gay or something or or, or whatever it's, it just like has a lot of the same energy as a movie that does have that as its theme explicitly right like mm-hmm. like it, it, it's this weird journey Harry takes through all the men in his life and it's i don't know i find that i find that odd like like just a, a weird like because the movie is so devoid of any actual intentional themes that was like all i could pick up on i uh, definitely it it is so 
unintentional but very like that is where the the only scenes that happen are those scenes and they're all rushed and they feel like they exist in a vacuum so it's hard so there's no there's nothing for to anchor the tension to Mm -hmm. other than that right like i think i think that that's the thing is when you have two two people having these like intimate scenes and they're outside of any context because this is a clip show of like do you remember this from the book it, like that's the only thing left is to be like there's like attraction here and yeah. and, and and how about the scene um where Sirius dies and he's looking just dashing just very handsome <laughs> in his very well tailored new clothes um and and written when he's like fighting um and and it's very like because uh, the way that they do the wand fighting is that they're all doing like a choreographed dance around around the room and and Sirius uh kind of like turns to Harry and says, Nice one, James. And Harry yeah. looks like kind of heartbroken. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hello? Hello? That is that does not have the ef- intended um effect, I don't think. Right. Right. I, th- I, I mean, like, we, that, I think that's the like uh, the it feels like it is following the motions of like a the like sad, sad part of a tragic romance, right? It is yeah. Harry's like real like realizing and and is crestfallen about that. Yeah, like, they, oh, ha- ha- they have not anchored that to a mentorship or a paternal like uh, figure in a way that that makes that work in the way that they intend. I don't right. think. Right, exactly. It's it's just just because because this movie is so. Va- I mean, it's because the movie assumes you've read the book, which I think is just its fatal flaw. Right, like it is not. This movie would be utter nonsense if you would not. Even if you would watch the other movies, if like like this this feels like it was just a a, a real nightmare for anyone who has not read the book and like remembers it all explicitly. Um, and if if you don't know what harry is actually going through in the book like you say like yeah i think that's such a perfect way to put it there's nothing else to anchor that tension to like 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 he he is just constantly angry frustrated and thinking about handsome men around him and it's really like hard to 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 square that with any other read right like like without the context of the of the book drama it's just like he's just He's oh, uh, uh, just just thinking about all of the different options he could choose, like just really. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think the books do a very good job of no. anchoring that tension either, and oftentimes will unintentionally come off this way. Um, but I, I think about it like ju- being a just movie viewer. We haven't, we've barely seen Sirius since book three, so really, this is just a a very handsome man that Harry barely knows. <laughs> Right. There's oh, there's also that part where the, when they're at Christmas and uh, uh, Sirius comes in late or whatever, but instead of like walking in and announcing himself, he like leans in the dorm f- door frame and just like watches Harry silently. Leans sexily in the door yeah. frame. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's just like like the the we 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 mentioned it, it's sort of funny in the books when you could t- like the book the books have like a different accidental homoeroticism i think where because it is it is jk rowling as a as a you know heterosexual woman writing about all of her cool male ocs right 
uh <laughs> harry is only ever thinking about sirius as like oh his handsome his handsome hair and like his 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 beautiful like cur- like angles or whatever like right like he's always uh uh just thinking about the things in that way um and like it's just kind of like a funny accent or whatever but here i don't i just think it's because the movie just features a lot of handsome men in it who are mostly there to be handsome for the camera and like that's like your, i don't know that's just like your first go-to right like seeing this because there's no story meat here uh there's there's no there's no explicit uh motivations or 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 um drama that these characters have they're all just sort of like whispering and pulling harry aside and like you know watching him sexily from the from the door for just like really um i wouldn't even say unfortunate it's just like 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 there's like a ghost of a much more heartfelt movie about a character's coming of age here that that instead we get a movie about uh uh harry wearing a tweed jacket and being grumpy i guess right and it's all and it's all between these these bizarre montages yeah yeah i like that read of it though it it makes it much more charming yeah i mean it's like it's barely even a read right it's just like a byproduct of just like well there's nothing else here right like like why why is why is serious nude under the jacket i'll i'll never know um but yeah it's it's a what an odd film I, i like i said it's not good um either as a film or as an adaptation uh and yeah who is it for because book people don't like it right because it it, it's not a good adaptation of the book um and does the film goer that hasn't read the book like it i don't think so Mm, i don't think it's that popular there either i'm actually be curious to see like like if i could find like a thing of like movie only watchers what the like consensus is that'd be kind of interesting i can't it seems imagine like it would just be one, really though. confusing it's just nonsense i think without like knowing the book back to front like like nothing nothing in this is 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 rooted in any like storytelling that has, has you know unfolds in this movie it's really strange because the stuff that they put into it to make it just kind of a more like easy to grok story. I, I think that like you're maybe if you're just watching the movie, you can just kind of fill in the gaps. Like it's like fudge is like, is more like using like fascist imagery and all of that. Don't trust the government. You know, Umbridge is trying to make the government have influence at Hogwarts. Um, Voldemort's a bad guy and Harry's having dreams about him. So maybe maybe you do just kind of fill in the gaps there. But then it feels like everything that is book specific and is there to make like book fans happy just feels like extraneous weird information. Like what the hell is the Order of the Phoenix in this movie? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, never we get really... like a one sentence explanation from Sirius. It is the name of the movie, but we don't, there's no, it has nothing to do with the story and it is just like completely extraneous information. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I can't imagine Sirius's death would have had an impact on anyone who hasn't read the book. It looks really funny too. And it, it does look. It looks so funny. Speaking of the unnecessary CGI, that entire room is CG, including the archway, uh, and it like 
just looks terrible. It looks like an FMV. It looks like the scene from the end of Jedi Knight where you get the lightsaber. <laughs> uh, it's just really hard to take seriously. And then, like, instead of him just, like, gracefully falling backwards through a curtain or whatever, he, like, becomes a ghost halfway through. Like, just falls slowly and, like, his face is frozen in place. It's just trying, almost trying to make it less impactful. Almost. Like. I- Maybe I wasn't watching closely enough and I wish that I had gone back and watched the scene again, um, but I was laughing a lot when I was watching it. Um, did they change it to um, Bellatrix hitting him with the killing curse? Yes. And then because he's in the proximity of the veil, we get to see him cross over. Is that yes. the implication? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, she instead of stunning him through it, she she uses Vada Kedavra and he's already dead when he hits it. So. I don't know why they did that either. That's a was that really to make weird... it less confusing? Maybe, but they yeah I I, I couldn't tell you. I've no that ultimately all the weird choices in this movie. I just don't really know. Uh, I I uh, I I I I I think you were spot on with your question last night when we were kind of prepping this was that was, did the writer's strike impact this film? Um, and we know, I guess that it did impact movie six for sure. They've talked about that, but Mm -hmm. it would have started. If I'm remembering the timeline correctly, the strike would have started like while this movie was shooting, I think. Um, or or maybe in post production, which means that maybe they just didn't have any script editors or anyone around to help arrange this footage into a film, uh, which I, I it, it makes sense I guess because there's just so many strange choices like that and, and strange like editing moments too. I mean like the like the, we talked about the don't call me Nymphadora scene. It's like what was that like. Like it, it lingers on that for so long, and then she just disappears from the film and never shows up again. Um, we get like the, um, uh, uh, there's that scene. Oh, this is maybe the weirdest and most uncomfortable scene is when Harry like leaves Occlumency at one point. He walks past Fred and George, who are like comforting a, a first year or whatever, but it's really sinister. Like 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 they're going like oh like like don't worry about it it only hurts for a little bit and then and then it'll be fine just take this and it's really really creepy but then umbridge shows up and it's like ooh naughty children i need to punish you and it's like yeah you should punish them whatever whatever the fuck they're doing sounds bad um and it just feels like a, a, like a clumsy editing mistake where it's like you would you would if if you had someone who knew how to write movies around telling you how not to put stuff together you would not put that there uh it it just just so many odd decisions that just feel like maybe there was not a guiding hand uh in a lot of the decisions here it it does there are so many bizarre moments like that and it make that like i don't coming out of that movie i the the real question i had is like what happened right like that doesn't Mm -hmm. just happen um i don't think like it's just like what what went wrong here um and the byproduct is that it feels lazy and cheap 
which I yes. feel like there's probably more to the story. Um, yeah. But but that really, uh, I kept going back to being like, this really just feels like a made-for-TV movie. Probably a little bit better, but it feels like it had just like, it felt really rushed and bizarre. And, and I just don't know how you go to adapt the novel Order of the Phoenix and think that it should be 80% montage. Right, yeah. Uh, weirdly, I just went and looked this up because I was, I was curious. The budget for this movie was the same, exact same as the last movie uh which it is so weird to think about uh when i think gobble to fire you know which had definitely had its problems but like in terms of like how how well the visual effects and stuff hold up i think it looks a lot better like all the cg looked very fuzzy to me in this movie like it gave me a headache i felt like i didn't have my 3d glasses on or something yeah i wonder if it was all like really this this isn't that far off from uh uh attack of the clones and, and revenge of the sith and stuff where like i know that in those movies it's actually a really big problem because they've been trying to do those like you know here's like the 4k restoration of star wars or whatever but the uh the movies were shot and all the special effects were rendered at 720p uh because you know it was the early 2000s or whatever so i wonder if that's maybe a similar thing here whether it's just like all the effects shots in this movie have this very strangely uh, uh uh like fuzzy like out of focus look and uh, maybe that's why yeah it, it's it's tr- it's truly bizarre i i really i'm su- i was surprised that there wasn't a more concrete reason that this went so wrong yeah uh i just have one one note here about the the special effects that i, I just noticed on the wikipedia page uh, a new character in the film, Grop, Hagrid's giant half-brother, came to life through a new technology called soul capturing, developed by Image Metrics. Instead of building the character from scratch, the movements and facial expressions of actor Tony Monsley were used to model Grop's actions. Which... What? <laughs> I think they're just describing motion capture. Soul capturing. Soul capturing. Yeah, they really did capture some some soul there. Hmm. Uh wow. Huh. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up, but what a what a fucking what a film, huh? (sighs) Yeah, um, I feel like we uh, like people should watch it. It's really funny. Um, (laughs) It's a fun movie for sure. My top, like, if I had to be like, these are the Harry Potter movies you should watch. I think the only ones that are really making my list here are Prisoner of Azkaban and this one. The other ones are so mediocre. Like, they're mm-hmm. not bad funny. And they're right. not that good. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it is is it is certainly entertaining, just maybe not for the reasons that it wants to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but I will say I definitely had a, a good time watching this one because it is just, it is so weird in spots. I, I cannot stress how funny the Looney Tunes music is just constantly. Uh, would you like, would you like to, to close this episode on, a, on another fun fact about this yes, film? Yes, please. Absolutely. The score, like the film and book, is darker than the previous installments in the series. Uh, so, uh, so they were really going for the the Looney Tunes creepy pasta music here. 
was, yeah. I, I might not, I might, I might've missed that. That might've gone over my head. I think that might've been a, uh, this is like, this is the, this is the Sweeney Todd era. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But I certainly would not call the soundtrack dark. Well, I think we should wrap this up. Another film comes to a close. I cannot wait to watch the next one because, uh, did you know that the budget doubles between this one and the next one? Um, why? <laughs> I can't wait to find out why. Is that inflation? What What's going on? Yeah, the, uh, double the budget, but uh, I guess we'll find out in uh, in many, many months when we get to movie six. But until then, actually, I was about to say, please watch another movie. But no, watch this movie. It's pretty funny. Watch this movie. Watch this movie. 